0: Everybody and welcome! Hello, to everybody show. and welcome! Oh, oh no, oh. no, Kyle!
1: Oh. New habits! Control. Oh my gosh! i oh my I'm God. so Sorry, I just yep. you know it was the new normal for a little while there, Ben. I'm sorry, rival announcers here. I'm it's sorry. It's gonna be a fight
0: to the death. Yeah, maybe we can have like a Twitter poll to figure out uh, each episode oh who should host it moving into the future. <laughs> like, here's the not another Twitter it. poll. No, that's, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> you sure? I uh, thank you for hosting it the last couple of weeks, Kyle. How'd that go for you?
1: I went well. It was good. It was nerve wracking. Nerve wracking, really. Yeah, the second week not so much. The first week though, very, very anxiety inducing. Well, you had to do you
0: had to do two live. Um, and I I snooped a little bit because I sent you the Google Docs with my notes in them for like, oh here's oh, yeah. the the thing to plug and all that stuff. But I went back and checked those Google Docs again. And it made me laugh because you had just notes for the podcast, but it was just like seven pages of highlighted notes, and it's like. I would po- highlight
1: them as I went through them? Oh, to that kind of makes more make sense. Yeah. I
0: was going to start this episode just by explaining the point of highlighting, Kyle, is it needs to highlight something. If it's all highlighted, nothing's highlighted.
1: All right, Jerry. I <laughs> yeah. get it.
0: Anyways, uh, this is a podcast about games, friends, and getting better. Thank you all for being here. Uh, we appreciate you watching or listening. If you're listening, you can watch over on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you can listen by subscribing to the podcast version. Uh, also joined by Jeff Marquiafava. Hello, otherwise known as the podcast engineer over there. Great job, Jeffem! You nailed it. Right, we got through it. We got through it, indeed. And Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Welcome, welcome, um, Kyle. Okay, uh, good job hosting. Thank you. I'm sorry if it stressed you out. Um, it, Are you gonna give me notes now? So no, no, you not give me these yeah, privately. Well, that's what he did to me too. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what he does to me too. Well, compressor crap. There's not that many <laughs> notes. It's not that bad. Just a couple, couple things for a second, like Jeffem. You know, the last message I sent you was make sure you t- check the audio levels before you go live. But that's fine. That's fine. I'm not here hey, to try Look, in it was a lot and and I didn't mention it before, but
2: right before we started, um I got everyone online and I was just floating boxes for everyone and Right, then, right. You know, like dip Kelsey wouldn't come through. She was floating boxes on my screen, and so it was a huge mess. Uh, we were already <laughs> running late. And- I get it. I get as, it. Kelsey's as soon on as deadline. I pressed that like button, I was like, "All right, we did it. Every everybody fine. did a great job. Like, oh, except I didn't. Except I didn't check anything.
0: There's always that something was, that falls that fine. apart. That's fine. Um, no, Kyle, I, I wasn't gonna give you notes. I was gonna say it's so bizarre listening to the podcast because I just want to like join every conversation, like I. I I probably, my mouth was twitching when you all were like, what's the most watch most watched but least played game and it was desert bus somebody say desert bus for the little guys say desert bus <laughs> we then, got there we got thank there thank god yeah i think it was like joshua Caleb with the backstage pass jumped in and it was yeah. like oh thank you I, joshua
1: I, that was such a ben hanson question like i was like I, I read that and i was i wrote it down i was like this is a question that ben would be like oh this is a good question this it is, is a good, good it just, question it just appeals to you
0: I it think. is it is very good but everybody did a great job thank you uh hey on this episode of the podcast we're not done with our big summer gaming coverage because we haven't talked about What Happened on Sunday, which is the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. We'll run down some highlights from that. I would argue best show by a mile for this season. Anybody? People. Are Although nodded. the
3: competition wasn't too stiff. And not the stiffest, but st- I would yeah. say there's a
0: lot of love for that state of play out there. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, anyways, we're going to talk about that. We're going to also be talking about the Capcom showcase. Then we're going to be figuring out what it's like to attend an E3 like event in the year 2022 because we sent Sarah Podzorski out into the field, mm-hmm. out to LA mm-hmm. to attend Summer Game Fest, and it seems like it was an adventure.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised I made it back.
0: Great. We'll talk all about that. it was released. <laughs> but she's played some games, and we'll talk about it, I assume. Um, then, for the back half of the show, we're going to be joined by a very special guest who shouldn't feel special, but I think it will be special. So hopefully they come through and it all lines up magically. A um, couple things before we start. Just uh, setting the table here. If you're wondering, why aren't they talking about the Final Fantasy VII stream? The big stream. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. If... There's something that I should be screaming about that was revealed on Thursday in that Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary stream, which the way Square's pitching it, it certainly seems like there will be something that'll make me squeal. Um, I'm not squealing on this podcast. I'm squealing in our live reaction because uh, myself and Joe Juba had a live reaction to that on YouTube. So if you check out youtube.com minmax, you can check out the archive of that if you're listening after that Thursday. Otherwise, tune in live and let's have a good time. Um, also, Mario Strikers Battle League. Jeff, uh, give me a, a thumb direction on that sucker on Switch there. Um... His thumb is 53% positive, um, I would say. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. Next week, there's going to be a lot of things to mop up because we have so much to talk about for this week. So next week's episode of the podcast is going to be about games that were overlooked this summer, including indie games from the showcases because there's a lot of super exciting stuff that'll be great to unpack there. Um, let's see. Also, we'll be talking about Neon White next week, which Jacob Geller has been playing and is really loving. This is from Ben Esposito uh, from Donut County fame. He made a speed run, parkour, puzzle platformer with cards um, mm-hmm. and it seems to be reviewing off the charts so we'll talk about that you next week. made a week. Jacob
2: Geller game. Is-
0: I think that's <laughs> what it means yeah, for freaks by freaks or whoever they pitched that during the, during the <laughs> showcase um, not saying Jacob Geller's a freak a lovable game i think you just literally did (laughs) they did they said in their advertising it's four (laughs) freaks by freaks um also uh teenage mutant ninja turtles shredders revenge is out now it is on game pass it is on steam it's on switch it's absolutely everywhere um we'll be talking about that more next week but kyle you've
1: been playing it yes playing it on my steam deck Ooh, fancy nice um how is it I I like it so far, and I say that as someone who doesn't usually like brawlers like that. I find them kind of boring usually. I kind of lose right. interest pretty quickly. But they really—it's Ninja Turtles. It's very nostalgic, but there's also a lot of like fun stuff. There's additional stuff in there too that makes it more worthwhile than like um, Streets of Rage Four. Like I'm more right. into this than I was Streets of Rage Four by a, a pretty substantial margin.
0: But I'd imagine you're a lot more nostalgic about tmnt brawlers than you yes. are about streets of rage
1: um, yeah and nostalgia is definitely like a huge part of it for sure
0: yeah it seems like people are loving it uh, we're gonna be streaming that um on thursday so if you're watching this right when the episode goes live you can follow us on twitch and uh we're gonna have all four turtles playing it's basically gonna be like um Yeah, gotta play it's as a, april
1: she's the, who's that's who i've been playing as yeah good she speed, does seem fun reach and know?
0: she does she use her camera as an attack too isn't there something like that
1: yeah, and like like boom mics and lights and stuff like that. Yeah, okay.
0: That. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. Um, hey, Kyle, before we get off the TMNT train, um, mm-hmm. if I may, I did a Twitter poll from MinMax's account. Did you see it by chance?
1: No. Should I look at it? No, should no, no 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 no, 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 Okay.
0: I asked, uh, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Who do you think was number one? Donatello. Interesting. Uh, Jeff, um, who do you think is number one?
1: Oh, I was
2: going to say Donatello.
0: Okay. Um, Sarah Podzorski, I imagine Ninja Turtles are some Absolutely old guy crap. Absolutely
3: the ones, the one that you all said. Yep. Absolutely that one. Sarah
0: is spot Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Donatello, 31.2%, <laughs> which is really upending my entire worldview because growing up, I always thought, I'm the underdog. Donatello is my favorite because nobody likes the smart guy who just has a stick. And then I grow up and find out that apparently, I don't know if it's Everybody just... Everybody did. But I don't know if it's just gamers because uh, he had the most range. I, I wonder if this poll would be different if you polled people who watched the show or just played with the toys versus played the games. Because I think the range uh, of the both is relevant. I always relevant.
2: liked Donatello the most.
0: I, look, I did too, I Back agree. Back to the cartoons. But now that he's the most popular, you can't. It's like, hey, I like Pikachu, yeah, now I hate cool. him and he's garbage. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I hope machines do him. Uh, also, Michelangelo coming in below that, then Leonardo and then Raphael underneath that. Uh, no
1: Raphael super fans out there. No, they don't, they don't no,
0: exist. that's the new underdog. We all need to be really into Raphael now. I think that's how it works. Um, anyways, we have a community question here. Sean Rubin wrote in over on Patreon and says, Howdy, everybody. We all know how long the hype cycle tends to be in the game industry. At the Microsoft and Bethesda Showcase, they made a point of saying every game they featured would be out within the next 12 months. Would you like to see more companies take similar steps in the future? Or do you like the longer hype cycle of multi-year build-ups up, build here? Um, I thought that was a unique angle of saying, Hey, everything here, within 12 months.
1: Um, yeah, I think... But- then Hideo Kojima comes on, not to get ahead point. of ourselves. That's a and great it's like, this point. isn't coming out in 12 months. <laughs> like, what are you guys talking about? Well, well uh, that's the Kojima clause, you know. Oh, is that right? Uh, okay.
2: Yeah. I, I guess there is. He's, like, he's allowed to say or do whatever he wants.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll so, see sure. him within 12 months again. So, technically, I guess that counts. And so what are you going to do? Not include that just so you can have this overall framing? But I think it was a nice thing to like bounce back to in the Xbox showcase. every time we have seen a game and they wouldn't show a release date, which would happen a couple times, you'd be like, well. I know before June of next year, in theory, I'm going to be playing this. And it's nice to kind of have a nice little bundle for everything here. But do you all like the short-term hype cycle or you prefer seeing stuff years out? I I do. And part of it is I feel like
2: it's impossible nowadays for an announcement to go long enough for it to actually be a surprise. Like we, we always right. seem to hear about whatever the new game is super early. So just coming out and saying, hey, there's going to be a new Halo in three years or whatever. We like everybody knows it before the show even goes on. And so and I also think it's it's a really smart move from a marketing perspective for uh, Microsoft, because because they're the ones who can come out and say, like, hey, these are all the games that you're going to be playing on our platform in the next year. That that just kind of innately gets me more excited for everything that I'm seeing.
0: Right. It's nice and specific compared to, I mean, there's a weird tidbit in an IGN interview where Todd Howard's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're making Starfield. Then we're in pre-production for Elder Scrolls Six. Oh, and then we'll be making Fallout 5 after that. It's like, OK, we are into like 2043. I mean, Kyle, uh-huh. your daughter will have graduated high school. Absolutely. By the time Fallout 5 comes out, I'm very confident. So it's weird just how we bounce back and forth between super long term. But then also for Xbox, we're going to focus on the on the near future. All right, this big Xbox Plus Bethesda <laughs> Godzuki and Friends or whatever. Uh, the big showcase here. Um, I figure we should just go around and share like some highlights. We could run down everything, but I think it's better to jump through it. And what about this, everybody? What about this for a controversial thought? What if instead of going from number three to number two to number one, what if we all started with number ones? Sure. What do you think? Um, hang on, Sarah that looks like I chromatic? just shoved a big pile of feces in front of her on a plate uh, with the <laughs> mere notion.
3: You're really shaking it up there.
0: Hey, man, we're all about disrupting the industry, just like yes. our boy Reggie Fizomay.
1: Uh, I mean, I think Sarah's still upset that we never we didn't talk about the Sonic stream that yeah. happened last
3: week. And no one's asked me. No one, Ben hasn't <laughs> even asked my impressions of the new Sonic game. I, I know, say like what? he hasn't even shown interest in it.
0: Here's the thing. I I told you that like in our Monday meeting, I felt like I was being rude, but I was I didn't want to uncork that bottle of you talking about Mm -hmm. Summer Game Fest. So I didn't even ask how your trip was in our Monday meeting because I wanted to save it all for the podcast for the sake of the listeners and viewers. Mm -hmm. Um, But all right, Sarah, give me your number three from the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. Assuming you watched it one. I'm sorry, my number one, number one, of course, number one from the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase.
3: (laughs) I don't I feel like it's pretty I guess my number one was seeing everything coming to Game Pass as someone who's been using Game Pass like the PC Game Pass for like like the past two years seeing all the stuff like coming out and then like Xbox Game Pass PC Game Pass I was like oh this is awesome like I don't even have to worry about release dates like when it shows up on Game Pass like I'll be able to play all of these games.
0: That's I, true. So that was very cool. That was nice. It seems like the one thing that didn't have that splash screen of check out Game Pass, everybody, it's gonna be available day one Game Pass was the Blizzard stuff. Right? Like Diablo yeah. 4 is in Game Pass because the Overwatch merger, Two wasn't no, but the weird like... free to play. That's so. right. So yeah. technically it's Game Pass everywhere. So this is the big announcement, yeah, is that well, first of all, I think it was just fascinating to have Diablo Four and Overwatch 2 as a big part of the Xbox Myth as a showcase. Cause it's like the paperwork isn't signed, but it's kind of like a soft agreement that this is kind of ours. So we'll go ahead and throw it out there. Right. It's, it's odd timing for really leaning into it, but why not? You know, uh, make it seem like it's an exclusive cause it's going to feel like that in a little bit uh, of time. Um, but uh, you're an overwatch fan, Sarah. Like did it, um, did that overwatch two trailer do anything for you?
3: Um, not Particularly, because I've been I like I saw people play the beta when the beta was out. I was watching that, and they did announce a new character, but I don't know it's gonna take a lot for them to claw me back into overwatch. yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to convince me in some ways. I mean if it's
0: free to play, it's releasing in October, right? Early access starts October fourth for Overwatch two. I, I, I loved Overwatch back in the day. Obviously, Blizzard mm-hmm. is in a bit of a hole. And, you know, we talked about it on this podcast, like, seeing gameplay of Overwatch 2, I was stunned by how similar it was. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, same mode, same maps that I played uh, five years ago. Um, that said, like, I think that trailer is more effective than people have talked about like that music in that trailer is amazing. And like having those clips from the first reveal trailer, um, just like the clips of like, who's your favorite mine's tracer. It's like, they are trying so hard to lean into that nostalgia. They're for trying overwatch. to recapture
3: that like initial month of overwatch where all anyone did was play overwatch. Like they're trying so hard.
0: Right. And like, what else can they do? I think mission accomplished. Like that trailer yeah. got me a little yeah. bit excited, yeah. even if it's just pressing buttons from 2016 again.
1: I, I, I admittedly, not nearly. I liked Overwatch a, a decent amount. Like, I mm-hmm. played it a decent amount. But, like, I felt almost the exact opposite for the same reasons. I was like, this is retread. Like, this, there's I'm seeing so little that's new or interesting here that you're even relying on the old trailers. Like, yeah. it's funny that I had on almost the opposite reaction on the same bullet points as you.
0: No, I think that's totally fair. Um, free-to-play's interesting the fact that it's free to play for pvp and then it's a little confusing exactly what that will mean for pve but i guess they're gonna have um uh, more info like probably actually revealing today as this podcast just went live because they're having uh some other showcase event all about overwatch and stuff so we probably shouldn't speculate too much about all this fun stuff um uh jeff do you got a number one in mind man i do oh that's it's a- it's boring and predictable
2: but it's starfield there Come we on. go and, and I, I would say that like when that preview first started i was i was pretty ho-hum on it it, it took a while to warm up like when they showed him yes. you know the the character walking out and like looking at some bugs and mining some ore and stuff It it was all like uh oh! This all looks pretty substandard. Um,
0: well, yeah, totally. Because like the the frame rate wasn't great. The combat. Like, yeah. I went back and looked at it today, and it's like it's not looking exactly. It's not
1: like recoil on the guns. It's and... a little floaty I, I and messy. Mean, you yeah. Get, like,
2: kudos to them for being the one place that like really, sh- definitely, they were definitely showing you actual gameplay.
0: Absolutely. Um.
2: But yeah, it it kind of brought back all of the things that I don't, you know, that I've grown increasingly disillusioned with um Bethesda games I guess but then they got to you know the upgrades your, your giant list of skill trees and your crafting and all of those kind of things which reminded me why I do still like all those Bethesda games and then they they went to you know kind of the base building which looked you know they I mean I never really got into that with with um Fallout 4 yeah I know some people really did and they you know like created their whole towns and stuff but i i think i i like the idea of it more in a kind of sci-fi you're out on a planet kind of building your own little colony and then they they did the ship like build your own ship that's and it. that's and that's when it when it was really like okay now now like you're tailoring this to all of my nerdy you know sci-fi predilections and like you you bring in people to be your own crew. You bring them in to like live in your little outposts and stuff. Yes. And then they, and then they no man sky us with the, like, and it's a vast universe of like a hundred different, you know, solar systems. I
3: mean, yeah. A thousand, different well, a thousand planets, planet, yeah. well, hundreds go. of Which solar systems. you tired. can land anywhere like, on the planet. That's and the it's like, job.
2: yeah. And, and I, I know that's, that's going to just be a, a boring disaster because it's Bethesda. <laughs> and how, how are they going to pull that up? Like, like it's it's gonna be boring if you're just going out and landing in the middle of nowhere. But part of me still, that's still appealing for some reason. Like I like that idea of just going out and even if it's procedurally generated, just exploring something that realistically no one else has been there or looked at. And yeah, if, if they can get if they can get enough creatures out there that you can fight or you know procedurally generate in bandit camps or whatever. Like the honestly the combat. Still, I was like, uh, I'm not super interested in the combat. They have either, like zero
0: but- G combat sequences that showed for a glimpse, mm-hmm. or even it looks yeah, a lot sure. like it looks I like mean, Mass Effect Andromeda of like using the jetpack at times to like shoot down. It's like, okay, yeah, there's maybe something there. I mean, I, I still don't love their normal G combat, so
2: I don't know if zero G is going to be much better for a, a the game. But yeah, but I, it's, it's the, really the RPG aspects and the progression aspects that I've always liked about those games, and being able to customize your own ship and your yeah. own colonies and stuff like that. If, if I can go just go out, pick my own planet in the middle of nowhere, and build up my own little colony there, and you know, <laughs> live like a hermit out on some planet, then... I'll be happy.
0: I'm totally with you. It's it's they structured it in a really smart way. We're starting out it's like okay, a little bit clunky, but I think I get the idea. They're emphasizing third person. I believe more than they have in the past for their games. Like okay, that seems cool. Seems like a little bit of a shift for how they're at least messaging how they expect you to play this thing. Um, then they show you a lock picking game. It's like okay, this is truly a Bethesda game. We're, we're diving <laughs> into the weeds, but totally like building that outpost and having like just a bit more of like survival gameplay aspects of like there's an o2 meter in the ui i'm curious exactly Mm -hmm. what that means and how it's gonna work um but then like the ship building was really fun to see and especially when they talked about like yeah the crew members and assigning where these people that you recruit are going in that ship like sarah that that's tickling your fancy right
3: i mean i'm definitely i'm interested to see how they're gonna balance the story aspect because it looked like there was a bunch of different like space organizations you can join and like your personality really depended on how you could succeed with like the customization of your space colony
1: right And like who
3: you can hire because it's like it's either you can have all personalization little story or major story and then little personalization like it never really balances well
0: Yeah, and so in an interview with IGN, they kind of went into more details about kind of that main path versus optional stuff. And so Todd Howard said, it's going to be like 30 to 40 hours for the main path, which is bigger than anything that we've done before. And so there's still a lot of handcrafted stuff, obviously, along that main path. But we are using procedural generation for, you know, a thousand planets, obviously. Um, And the part that I'm confused about is he's saying you can land anywhere on the planet but then at the same time there isn't seamless the seamless ability to fly down to a planet so mm-hmm. you just like are going to any place on the planet from any direction and then just triggering a load screen no matter where you're coming from and then it's like and now you're on the planet
2: yeah, kinda, yeah. I, I don't know i'm sure i'm sure it's going to be clunky as all get out but but i feel like the one of the reasons that i've kind of grown a little colder on Bethesda games is their, their strength has always been trying to do things that no one else was doing at the time. And so like, that's why I liked, that's why I loved Morrowind and all the other elder scroll games and the early fallout games and stuff. And it feels like a lot of the industry has caught up and does the things that Bethesda does poorly better than they do. Like everything's an open world RPG now with a massive world that you can go around and, you know, get all kinds of new skills and all that stuff. So I'm happy to see them biting off something bigger again. And like if building my ship and getting all my own, you know, custom crewmates on it and whatever is clunky, I expect that, but it, but that feels, that feels like a new experience again. And so I'm happy to see them like really reaching for it.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously everybody's saying, Oh my God, this looks like no man's sky. Um, like the mining particular, a lot of mm-hmm. scanning the alien planets and stuff. And so it's like, hey, if it's going to be a jankier No Man's Sky, but maybe with a stronger storytelling experience, like that seems like where you should set your expectations because I'm yeah. worried that we're building up the next cyberpunk here with people just letting their minds run amok, thinking about a thousand planets. I can recruit crew members. I can design my own ship. Just slow down everybody, please. For yeah. the sake of the internet.
2: I, I would, I would hope that people understand the history of Bethesda and know what they're Mm -hmm. getting with the Bethesda game. Like there's going to be backwards flying aliens, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) dragons and everything else. That's just what it is. It's going to be clunky, but there are going to be interesting ideas there that you can dig into.
0: Yeah, the story stuff, it's like, okay, you're working with Constellation. It's the organization to go and explore um, for like the main thrust of the campaign here. and it seems like you're uncovering artifacts and seeing visions from these artifacts, and the artifacts will change humanity forever. It feels very Mass Effect, feels very Mass Effect One, but sure, I guess you know that's that sure. sounds like a solid that, tease.
2: That that was precisely my reaction to all the story stuff. Was sure. <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> I just hope. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna follow it for an hour, and then I'm gonna take a you know ninety degree turn, and I'm gonna go and screw off in the galaxy for right. the other hundred hours that I play that game.
0: Yep. That sounds
2: great. It's just
3: one of those 1,000 planets. Better be the next Elder Scroll game. Like, I better roll up. And it's just, I either get to play Skyrim again or it's just the next game.
0: Right, smart. I've been
3: patient. I've been very patient, Todd.
0: (laughs) I've been patient. Planet Redfall.
1: The the, the sort of No Man's Sky angle of it all is, like, the thing that gets me most interested because I, No Man's Sky is just way too aimless for me. Yeah. Like, I just, I get Mm -hmm. so bored so quickly, even though I'm sort of, impressed by the the tech angle of it like i like the idea of something taking cues from no man's sky but inserting more character driven like rpg elements and even a story like just some kind of carrot because like no man's sky for me just has no carrot at all
0: oh i guess just an infinite galaxy and universe give me a carrot though daddy needs a <laughs> level up carrot <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's true, though. It's like, why <laughs> why go to another randomized planet if there's no incentive, if I just get stressed out over my inventory management on a different planet why? and I run out of gas? Like, I just find the whole experience stressful and boring. Why
2: explore? Why would a human being
1: be interested in
0: exploring
1: Why something? live another day? There's, no, I, there's, valid, there's awesomeness in exploring in a video game, but if everything is random, then... Every, everything you find is random. There's, like, like no benefit to anything. <laughs> That's right. It's, like,
0: highlighting. Um, hey, Bear Commando writes in, Kyle, and says, Hey, uh, do you think Starfield is specifically not listing a release date because they're waiting to see when Nintendo plans to release Breath of the Wild 2 and do- and they want to dodge that? No. I, I just think, think so. that they're
3: not completely done yet. Like, look at that thing. <laughs> and you look, it's massive.
0: And so all we know is coming out before June, right? Yeah. Um, so Supposedly. It, but if this, I mean
2: before June and oh, yeah. i'm sure i'm sure 11 months from now when when someone's going to be like we got to delay this game they're going to be like no we made a solemn <laughs> oath 11 <laughs> months ago that it's going to come out at least <laughs> phil spencer's reputation
0: is riding on this we got to right. do it you're right it is going to be interesting though i mean if it's it's going to be at least as of now we think in the same quarter as Breath of the Wild 2. It's going to be a lot to chew on, right? Because, Kyle, what's the last messaging? Didn't they say spring 2023, or was it just 2023?
1: I think it was just 2023.
0: Is that right? It's exactly yeah. my point. Um, anyway, so looking forward to seeing more about Starfield and that whole weird thing. Um, all right, Kyle, if it's not Starfield, what is uh, your numero uno? Uh,
1: my numero uno is is was Hideo Kojima. Hell Just because grass. I love a good surprise. Yes. At the, those are the things that get me more than like extended gameplay footage of a game i was already planning on playing like the fact that everyone was like oh hideo kojima and then it was at at, you know summer game fest he's got to be there and then he wasn't and he wasn't at state of play and then i i mean i personally was like well i guess he's just not doing anything this year and then to see him show up even though he didn't offer anything he was just like i'm here doing something for xbox like, that was really exciting and unexpected.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. That was a great shock. And there were rumors. I mean, God, I want to say even like over a year ago, they're like, hey, I think Kojima Productions is working with Microsoft on some sort of cloud-based game, something online, something that's only possible through the cloud system on the Xbox and all that stuff, um, cloud computing. Uh, but I I, I feel like there's always so many rumors about Kojima. I just kind of wrote it off as not being realistic.
2: Totally. yeah. Do we still believe that's a thing like this cloud computing thing that gives Xbox games superpowers that no other, no other console can do it because does. it's like part of a hive mind or something?
0: It's really weird. It does feel like we're going back to 2013. Like and they have those dopey commercials. They would run it again and again of like. Titanfall is only possible through the power of the cloud. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> the no. game that you guys ported to the previous generation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it is a little confusing. I'm excited at the idea of like, okay, what could that mean for Kojima? He can make a different type of game, which I'm very excited about. Where this gets confusing is trying to track which game is what. Because if you remember, the last time he was on stage with keely or at least remotely before he turned his back on our boy Keeley by not appearing in summer game fest at all for the big oh, kickoff event it was disgusting what a betrayal um but in that presentation remember he said that like hey i've kind of predicted a lot of really sad world events and i want to focus on maybe something a little more lighthearted for a future game and so do you think it's going to be this because all we know is there's a leak and uh, it seems like a very strong rumor that he's working on some survival horror game.
1: Um Yeah, there's Overdose is the le- is the rumored one with Margaret Qualley. The, right. Uh, who, and, was, who was who's in Death Stranding. And there there's even been like rumors that in, in demos it was like he was showing it off with a, a phone, like playing it with a phone in some way. Right. Yeah.
0: So this is where trying to untangle this Kojima web, by the way. This is this is a gaming podcast. We're in it, Sarah. We're trying to untangle oh, yeah. Kojima web. This is as good we're as in gets. the
3: trenches with Kojima, trying to figure out what goes on in his mind. <laughs>
0: That's the best
3: place to be. I love
0: it's, hanging out in there. I'd rather live in his mind than play his games most of the time, for being honest. But okay. <laughs> and and then
1: he tweeted about Michael Bay last night. It's just everything. He tweeted crazy.
0: about a meeting with Michael Bay, and then he was listening to the soundtrack from The Rock. Um, so Dan Reichert um, just shot out to the stratosphere, but. It, Look, people take meetings all the time. It's not like this next do, game is going to be a licensed Michael Bay thing or The Rock video game. But look, I wouldn't kick out of bed for eating crackers if you made The Rock video game as his next big entry. But what I'm trying to write my mind around is, okay, so it seems like that horror game, because the person who leaked it said it was running on a phone, that might be the cloud game. Or it might just be that somehow with the Xbox tech, you know, you can stream your stuff to the phone. Maybe you're somehow connected with that. We don't know. But... That implies that the horror game's not his lighthearted next game or more lighthearted next game.
3: I do Kojima's capable of lighthearted after playing a lot of his games. I don't know if this man has ever had a lighthearted, <laughs> besides watching Paddington Bear 2. Right. I, I don't know if he's ever had like a lighthearted moment.
0: I disagree. Yeah, I mean, i yeah, I'm,
2: I'm Well, there's the guy disagree. who <laughs> has diarrhea all the time. Yeah, what's more field. lighthearted
3: than diarrhea? But what about like Boktai? I don't know what Kojima's idea of lighthearted is. It's like, truly, I don't want to know.
0: Well, I mean, we're not, it's not exactly going to be Paddington 3 that he's making, but something that's just not quite as dark. But Kyle, Boktai, you just played that not too long ago. The Sun is in Your Hands for Game Boy Advance. How dark is that overall? I know you're fighting demons, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you literally have to go outside to play it, so.
0: How dark could what it be? What else
1: to say? <laughs> yeah, you're right. fighting vampires, but it's very cartoonish vampires. Um, I was sort of going through my head. I was like, surely he's done something like lighter or produced something, but nothing immediately comes to mind.
0: I mean, police knots maybe had its moments. Yeah. I mean, there's lighthearted stuff in, in Metal Gear. But, but there
1: is, yeah, there's a lot of weird, lighthearted, silly stuff. I mean, the ape escape stuff in Metal Gear Solid 3. Like, he's he's capable of it. Yeah,
0: please don't forget it. about in the... Subsistence version of Metal Gear Solid Three. All of those videos called Metal Gear Stupid. Sarah, have you ever watched these? No. Like the animators from Kojima Productions, they just reanimated cutscenes from Metal Gear Solid Three, but made them ridiculously absurd. Where it's like Big Boss dancing um, with the Secretary of State, and they kiss each other in a flower field. It is. It is the most delightful thing. Anyways, the point is. So if the lighthearted thing. We know <laughs> that it's probably not the horror game. And then Norman Reedus announced. Or is it? Well, who knows? That, I don't know. I don't cool know.
3: Would angle. you put that past Kojima? But Would I you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> with so Norman, you do know Kojima.
3: With Norman, I'm afraid of what goes on in that man's mind.
1: We all are, but we can't look
0: away. But there's also Death Stranding 2, which Norman Reedus leaked that they were working on. So it's like maybe that's the Which angle. we know
3: is one of the most lighthearted games. <laughs> that has ever come out
0: well maybe there's going to be you know the opposite of what is the what is the big black hole inciting incident and death stranding again anyways the point is maybe there's some sort of optimistic world that is generated and that is Death stranding too or something
1: i will say death stranding ends on a a pretty optimistic note oh really Uh, even though yeah so okay it's not like flowers are exploding out of the ground or anything but like it's definitely a ramp up of, like, this is a terrible situation, and by the end of the game, it's like, you know what? We're going to come out of this okay, everybody. Interesting. Not just spoil Death Stranding. Um, okay, well, that's, uh, yeah, Kojima's next game. He kept
0: em- emphasizing it's going to be new. It's going to be something weird. It's going to be something different. Please look forward to it. Also, it's going to be a very long time. So this thing might be a while, everybody. We might get Death Stranding 2 before this thing, so who knows? Or my money might before even June. be... <laughs> yeah. I mean, my money might be on just Norman Reedus again being confused because he also said he was working on Distraining 2 a long time ago and that ended up being director's cut. So maybe he was confused again and he's like involved in that horror game and because some of the cast is the same, maybe he thought that that was it. So who knows, who knows what's gonna happen. Um, let's see, uh, my number one for this whole thing was a, a very surprising reveal. Um, and I'm amazed it took him that long in the trailer to reveal the developer that was actually making it. But this is from Obsidian Entertainment, pentiment is the name of this game pentiment do you remember this one kyle
1: uh actually no Ooh, interesting a, yeah so this is, is... This the mike myers netflix show
0: <laughs> no <laughs> that's right i'm very excited with that adaptation have you seen any of that show by the way kyle
1: just the weird clips people have shared online did you see i that? watched it did you see that you watched it i did
0: that's what you do in your house is you watch mike myers netflix shows jeff I i did it I saw a clip online terrible. where it was him and he was like Shrek, a live-action Shrek came in and they like danced together and then it, it played yep. all-star. That happened. That's Pentavrit. That's nothing else entirely. No, Pentiment okay, okay. is the new game from Obsidian. This is the new project that everyone was trying to figure out what this developer is working on. But this is Josh Sawyer, who's the director of Pentiment here. And he goes back to Icewind Dale. He was the director for Fallout New Vegas, uh, the Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2. But everyone thought it was weird that, like, oh, he's not working on Vowed, which is set in the Pillars of Eternity universe. Instead, he's making this smaller game that's 2 d called Pentiment, and it's based on... Well, here's their description of what this thing is. Step into a living, illustrated world inspired by illuminated manuscripts and printed woodcuts in a time when Europe is at a crossroads of great religious and political change. Walk in the footsteps of Andreas Mahler, a master artist who finds himself in the middle of murder, scandals, and intrigue in the Bavarian Alps. So it's set in the 16th century in Bavaria... And the thing that's interesting is it seems like it's taking some cues from like a disco Elysium and you're mm. going around and interacting with these characters and it's going to be all about the choices that you make, but not I think in a simple telltale kind of way because I think the point is is it's over a long period of time so you'll see characters build up and society will change based as on your interactions in this type of game, but I'm very excited to see Obsidian doing something that feels outside of the wheelhouse. It kind of throws back to like South Park, stick a truth for the art style just to have like the 2D characters in a party running around. Um, does this thing stand out for you, Jeff? It was my number two. Ooh, hell yeah. What yep. stands out for you about it?
2: Um, That it's just so darn different. So darn different. Uh, and it, it, seemed, it seemed very rooted in humor as well. Um, yeah. And just, you know, in a year where there were so many Space horror games, you know, running around shooting things, lots of remakes of stuff. Just to have something that's just so completely different from anything that I've played or seen, you know, for a video game um, just has me excited.
0: Yeah. And so for trying to untangle this thing's name, Pentiment, apparently a pen Well, we all know this, but just to reiterate for people, a Pentimento is apparently in painting... Uh, the quote, presence or emergence of earlier images, forms, or strokes that have changed and painted over. So if you're painting over a painting, I guess that's the pentimento. So that's what this is talking about, just kind of the changes over time and stuff. Um, yeah, sure. it, it looks. I, I also, oh,
2: yeah. I, I just. I do like that art style of like that medieval illustrations where like mm-hmm. they didn't really understand how to how to draw well, but so everything just kind of looks goofy to begin with. You but, apologize um, to
3: those monks, Jeff. Like, I were know. They very were, they were hard. doing their best.
2: And honestly, if if you've if you've ever looked up the marginalia of like just the illustrations that they would draw in the margins of the books, you know, mm-hmm. that they had to copy by hand or whatever, like they illustrated some of the f- goofiest crap that you can imagine <laughs> and like a bunch of weird monsters and stuff it's it mm-hmm. was just a fun a fun time it's it's like they figured out how to make you know like colored ink so they just all went crazy and i guess i guess if you, if your entire life was copying books like hand hand you know written letter by right. letter you're, you're gonna go goofy with the
0: illustrations that's so, right it was uh, fun. very fun fact the uh, the art director hannah kennedy for this game I was like, ah, I want to look into this history and see what she's done. Because I remember visiting the studio. They made a big deal about this. But uh, she actually did the um, cover art for Game Informer's issue for Outer Worlds. Which ah. is like, oh, it does kind of have a similar 2D look to it. So it's cool. So the, the full history there. Um, but uh, I'm very excited about this game. And one of the big reasons is just because it's the f- one of the first indicators we've really had about what microsoft is letting their new studios do and how weird they can be like there's not too many examples of the studios they've bought releasing games that have been started in development after the acquisition there's stuff like grounded you know which is definitely different for obsidian but that was before the acquisition so many of these are from before the acquisition like psychonauts 2 and if this is an indicator of how much freedom these studios have that microsoft buys you and they say hey we want to make a game set in the 16th century where you're wandering around Bavaria and making political decisions and Microsoft is funding it like that is an incredibly good sign for the future for smaller studios you know like a double fine or in exile we don't really know what they're up to next or compulsion games so I I, it seems like two big thumbs up and actually IGN um, Rebecca Valentine friend of the show over there um, she had an interview uh, talking about the history of this game's development and Obsidian and Microsoft and their connections. But there's a just bizarre tidbit talking about how much Microsoft has changed because uh, Fergus over there at Obsidian, he was talking about the RPG they were making for the launch of the Xbox One, which was called Stormlands, before Microsoft canceled it. Um, but he was saying, just talking about that era of Microsoft and how they kept forcing them to put really dumb crap in their game and how they really wanted them to incorporate the Kinect so at a certain point, Microsoft <laughs> wanted them to put this in the game. Okay, here's I'll do a quote. Quote, the idea was you're playing the game, you're not doing so well in health, but your, friends co- your friend comes by and gives you a back rub, and that actually gives you more health. We laughed uncomfortably, and then it didn't come off the list of features. So that is like the old era of Microsoft, just going back to twenty thirteen. So it's amazing to see this new era where now they're funding some weird game like Pentiment. So and
2: now I'm, someone's I'm, gonna make a back rub simulator. That's it. But it's gonna be their idea. That's and right. Be like, Fine, you want it. I just I love the idea. of We someone suggested like... it years ago, but whatever. <laughs> You're the someone...
1: auteurs. I like someone frantically demanding from like a roommate or a significant other or something like- I I need a back rub, like now. Like if you don't get over here and get behind me and start rubbing my back, I'm gonna die. We're we gonna lose so much progress! Um, Sarah, uh, what do you like for
0: your number two?
3: It was gonna be the Kojima one, and then it was right. gonna be Pentiment, and then I lost both of those. So I That's will great. say that I thought Ravenlock looked really good. Yeah. The yeah, Pixel cool. Voxel sort of like a fairy tale Alice in Wonderland inspired game. I thought that looked very promising.
0: It is interesting. Yeah, the weird thing was just trying to figure out what was going on with the visuals because you thought mm-hmm. you had a handle on it, but then it's like, okay, no, then these characters are voxel-based or mm-hmm. pixel-based. It had a, They were mixing
3: and matching.
0: Yeah, yeah, the thing was cool. It definitely stood out. Um, that's 2023 game is all we really know about that bizarre thing, but yeah, you think you're going to end up playing that thing?
3: Yeah, I mean... I think it's one of those coming to Game Pass games. That's it. So it's like, might as Indeed. well, right?
0: Yep, you're in. Uh, Jeff, what do you got next on that list? It was Pentiment. Awesome. You want me to pick another one? Uh, no, no, man. We can't have this be an infinite show. So you're out of the running forever. Um, Kyle, what's your number two?
1: Uh, Silksong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah.
1: I don't, it really I happened. Honestly, I don't even really have a ton to say about it. Yeah. Like it looks cool. I liked Hollow Knight 1. I'm excited to play more, but mostly it's again it's that thing of being surprised and not expecting it to be there. It was it has become the new, you know, Shenmue 3 or whatever you know like that sort of it's it's not every every show everyone's like maybe it's going to be there maybe it's going to be there but nobody actually believes it's going to be there but it was there and they showed it and it looks great I think I can't wait to play it yep I think it was a
0: really good indicator of just the strength of Microsoft's show and I think the intelligence of them for messaging overall that like the second game they show is all right everybody and we have Hollow Knight Silksong and it's going to be on Game Pass so please get ready for it unclear. I don't think they've messaged if that means it's not coming to PlayStation or exactly what that means, but it's it's definitely a big get yeah. just for messaging here for Song. Uh, I would Silksong. be
1: surprised if it didn't go everywhere else. I mean, I feel I kind of think of it as a Switch and PC game primarily. Yeah. Even, you know, I don't know if that's fair necessarily, but
0: Yeah, it does seem like one that everyone's very excited about but also, I don't know how many questions people have about it. People are just like, yep, I want that game. Give me a follow-up to Hollow Knight. I'll take it. Here we go. Yep. Um, but hey, no year or date given for this thing but within the next 12 months we know it um so that's hollow Knight silk song there uh let's see my number two um was the kojima productions thing Boom.
3: Boom. why not number one hmm? why not number yeah. one
0: hey. it was just a guy talking ultimately yeah um you got number three then sarah
3: I mean, I'm my biased One is the Forza Horizon Five Hot Wheels DLC. <laughs> oh, it was fun to finally see that announced.
0: You need so, to add more context for people; they don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh,
3: everyone! I used to work at Mattel, uh, so I worked on a lot of the Hot Wheels games. So I very much had was a part of this DLC, not like directly, but I was there for it. So very excited that that's coming.
0: Congratulations! Um, Thank you. It's very exciting, and um, the only weird thing is like, well you Already did it. Like, was it Forza Horizon 3? It is Hot Wheels, like, right? all,
3: all you hear is like, oh, I, I, give me, give us Hot Wheels DLC. We love Hot Wheels. We love the Hot Wheels DLC. Give it again. And then it comes out. And then you've you people going, you already did this.
0: <laughs> right. So it's like,
3: I mean, really pick a side, honestly. Like, oh, no, I don't want to drive up on a Hot Wheels track in the sky. I'm sorry.
0: Sarah, you don't have to defend Mattel anymore. You're gone. I'll take it away it.
3: then. <laughs> you're fine. Oh, you don't want the Dior 2? <laughs> I'll take that back. Thank you.
0: All you have to do now is just talk about um the new still of Ken from the Bar. Barbie movie you do have to promote that oh god a bit.
3: i <laughs> so, do not right? have insider i do not have insider information on that
0: that movie most anticipated film kai still with me on that barbie film
1: yeah I saw uh, uh what's his name is ken ryan Tag? gosling hell yeah ryan gosling uh all right Jeff,
0: great. hey he looks great uh and what's your next one you want to talk about
1: uh my number
2: three was redfall
0: that's a Despite- very interesting tone
2: Yes, because I'm still very worried about the dialogue, and I hope it's just that they've been really playing it up for the presentations and kind of adding extra dialogue in it because I kind of cringe every time one of the characters opens their mouth, which is all the time.
0: They do seem to be talking a lot. So Redfall, this is the new game, the co-op first-person shooter from Arcane Austin. It feels very Borderlands-inspired structurally. And so maybe this is just the marketing of they want to let people know that this might if you played a Borderlands game which at this point I think is 30% of planet earth um then you might be interested in playing Redfall. Um I was struck by I think the lack of it hype and enthusiasm surrounding this thing. It was kind of the big gameplay reveal of Redfall which is the next game from the creators of Death Loop. I mean, one of the greatest games from last year, and I get I, it. Yeah, and I. F- I,
2: I mean, I, I get the lack of excitement just based on kind of the tone that it seems like the game is going for, or maybe just the marketing is going for. I understand why that is a big turnoff for people, but I'm there because of that Death Loop. Kind of, right. I want a co op arcane game, um, and I want to explore that weird you know, town that's been overrun by pretty vampires.
0: Very pretty vampires. Yeah, so um, it's confusing to say same studio as Deathloop, right? Because that's Arcane Lyon in France, and then this is Arcane Austin. So technically the last game they made was Prey, but then it gets more confusing because Harvey Smith, who... uh, was over in Lyon for Dishonored 2 is leading this game back in Austin. So it's kind of a weird fusion if you like Dishonored 2, which was a Lyon game. Look, whatever, we'll whatever
2: the arcane grinder is spitting, whatever part of it is spitting this game out, um, right. I'll be there for it. Yeah. That's, this, is why, this is why it was my number three pick. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that there's going to be that arcane magic to it, that it's not just a co-op shooter right they they their games always have i don't i don't always love their game arcane's games but there's always some kind of interesting magic to them that you don't get from other studios
0: and the powers look interesting here i mean you can just go fully invisible there's the weird purple doors and stuff like so maybe that's going to be once they start really breaking those down that might pop a little bit more and make it more distinct but the setting is cool like i like the idea of this massachusetts like this island off the coast of massachusetts and the vampires have blocked out the sun and jeff um, i don't know if you heard this they made it impossible to leave the island because they got rid of the water
2: which you think makes it easier to leave but apparently (laughs) not
0: no one has legs i guess in this in this world so you can't just walk out somebody in the comments was trying to correct us and be like well it's because vampires can't cross water But I guess what's
3: stopping the people stuck there? It's a long
0: walk. I don't know exactly. It's mucky and gross. Probably there's fish flopping. around. I just want to
3: know where they're getting like the guns and the bullets from. Like, is the government just like dropping them off? Like Hmm. what's going on? How many bullets does one tiny East Coast Island have?
0: I bet more than you think, Sarah. I think that's (laughs) a conclusion we've reached (laughs) recently. Um, Yeah. So uh, there's an interview uh, over at IGN with Harvey Smith where he talked a little bit more about it. Um, and it's like, okay, you're picking a character. In the beginning, you're locked into that character. Uh, you can play co-op up to four players, um, but you can play it solo. And Kyle, you are like this. There's not three yep. AI buddies with you. You can do it completely by yourself. Um, and then it's also, I, oh yeah. What if I, I want was just AI to say, I, no I feel go. like
1: the co-op angle of all of it kind of d- diminishes the arcane element, the side of it. Naturally, I, don't know, I just don't and and maybe it's just unfair to say maybe i just haven't played the right co-op games but i just generally find co-op games like less ex- experimental which maybe someone's screaming at me that that's absurd but i just feel like in you find a couple of systems that work to win and you kind of stick with those where arcane games are all about like finding alternate angles and and like i said maybe that's maybe that's not a a take that People like. Maybe they're like, you're crazy. You can get crazy experimental in co op games. You just haven't played the right ones. But I just feel like my creativity gets stifled when I play co op games.
0: Because you're too busy focusing on making quips with your buddies? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Um, and there certainly were a lot of quips in this game. So yeah. We'll see how that ends up and how much they're emphasizing these characters. Um,
2: I, I just want a slider in the options. Just yeah. give us a slider of like, yeah,
0: lots of the talking sh- default, lots of talking quieter. or just shut it and just push <laughs> that all the way down. Uh, so the intriguing thing of that trailer, and I feel like where some people were back on board, you know, we did the streaming reactions with Jacob Keller and stuff. And I feel like everyone's like, oh, this feels arcaney." OK, I'm excited now. Is there's some more surreal looking environments? Um, and it turns out those are psychic nests where there's these like kind of magical doors and I guess it's vampires are consuming a lot of blood and they start just tripping together and you can like go inside of these experiences. Perfect. But the unconscious of vampires? It seems maybe? odd, but then, yeah. But then the cool thing is it's more surreal environments and you have to go in and like destroy a heart in the center of it. But again, the part that gave me pause is apparently those are procedural and there's like different chunks of the town. And so every time you're going in them, they're replayable. And they're just kind of slamming different chunks together in this procedural way for those psychic nests. So it's like, oh, is even this the,
3: primarily supposed to be multiplayer? Because that's like the what I'm getting is yeah. it feels like they want you to play it multiplayer.
1: They they do. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, I mean, I was surprised to even here that you can play it single player without three AI. Like that's yeah. a surprise to me, and actually makes me more interested.
0: Yeah. So that's Redfall coming out within 12 months. Um, it feels like one of those where it's like might be a good one for Game Pass, which is sad to say about. An arcane game, so maybe it's going to end up surprising everybody, but I, I think it's it wasn't the strongest show for Redfall. Not as strong as I think they would want. Um, let's see. Oh, boy, we got more. Uh, another announcement from this whole thing was a game called Minecraft Legends. Is this everybody, your number three? This is my number three. Old Minecraft Legends. Uh, it's a new game from Mojang, and it's being co-developed by Blackbird Interactive, who also... Working on Homeworld 3, and then they also just went 1.0 with their game called Hard Space Shipbreaker, which people are quite into. It's on Game Pass. Jeff, have you checked that out yet? Mm-mm. I think you'd like it. You, should, you might look into that. Hard Space Shipbreaker. But, anyways, Minecraft Legends. It's exciting, uh, making a new Minecraft spinoff. I like Minecraft Dungeons. I had a fine time with that. Um, and this feels, Kyle, a little bit like Brutal Legend, like hero focused RTS. Did you get that vibe too?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I could see that. I mean, there's not really a lot to compare it to when it comes to, like, a Brutal Legend-style mechanics, you know? So that's probably the most direct line you can draw, I think.
0: Yeah, they called it an action strategy game. So it's like, okay, some tower defense elements in there as well, but you're kind of commanding the armies and fighting the evil forces in Minecraft. But um, I'll take it. I mean, this feels well, close enough Well, I also played this one and
1: kind of just wish it was an action game. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's right, Kyle.
1: Just like Brutal Legend.
0: Yeah, well, I, you're not even a Minecraft fan, are you?
1: I like Minecraft, yeah. I mean, not 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 to the same level as you. I mean, my kid loves Minecraft, so I play with her sometimes. All and right. I played it a lot when it came to 360. That was like the most I played it.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, this it has like a cel-shaded art style too to Minecraft Legends, but it's cool to yeah, see them emphasizing a strategy game. And I thought that this was going to be like a big show for RTS games overall, because they also showed a game called Aura History Untold, which I misread during the reaction stream, Jeff, and that's not an RTS. That's a turn-based strategy game, but it's from uh, Oxide Games for that. It seems very much like they're going for a civilization-style turn-based game, just like Humankind did from Sega. Was that just last year? Um, And it's a lot of like former Fraxis developers that are working on that Aura History Untold game, but just for the official tally, that's one turn-based strategy game and one action strategy game in Minecraft (laughs) Legends. So no real RTS Mm. love in this, but uh, we take what we can get. Um, let's see. Kyle, do you have another one? Who has another one? What are, what are we doing? We're scripting the bottom of the barrel?
1: I have to one and a half. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I want a Persona. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Was surprising. um surprising. Persona 3 Portable on Xbox is particularly strange, and but cool. I'm into that. Yeah, so um, 4
0: and 5 are also coming to, to Game Pass. I think starting with yeah. 5 is what they said, which is crazy.
1: I wonder the big joke everyone was making is like, You know, does that mean it's coming to Switch at some point? Maybe, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Uh, But then I also, as far as just one, like my proper number three, uh, I just thought Flintlock Siege of Dawn looked like a fun sort of kind of open-ended action game. You know, that thing I love where you're like jumping off of cliffs and jumping out of windows and stuff. It just looked cool. I don't think it's going to set the world on fire, but it looked like something I'd want to check out.
0: Yeah, it looks suspiciously, not suspiciously, but it looks uh, surprisingly similar to Forspoken. It kind of like just looked like a cheaper yeah, first spoken. Maybe that's why
1: it appealed to me. Or I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it seems all right. Uh, Flint yeah. lock. Um, Not to be include, uh, confused with Raven lock. Is that what it's called? Completely yeah. different. Two uh, locks. Kyle, I'm surprised that you haven't uh,
0: dropped a reference to Cocoon that they revealed there.
1: Oh, that's the sort of former Play Dead one? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that one. Yeah, I I mean the big thing that I'm excited about for that one is just former former Play Dead people getting out there and doing interesting new things. Um, The gameplay looked like it looked like a almost like more straightforward puzzle game. Like Play Dead games are so good at sort of not making you even feel like you're really solving a puzzle necessarily until you're like a good you know good way through the figuring it out. Where this was just like more like, hey, you have to get this ball to this thing and you have to figure out that solution. But I mean, yeah, I. I'm on board Yeah, anything. Someone who worked on Inside and and Limbo going out and doing their own thing, I want to see what that looks like.
0: And not only that, yeah, it's the lead designer of Inside and Limbo. And so, Yeah. yeah, it does look like okay, there's carrying a lot of orbs around. I don't understand necessarily what's fun about that, but then the way the trailer pitches it, it seems like you're going inside orbs within orbs and kind of like a Patrick's Parabox style thing and Each orb color does a different thing So Kyle I'm counting on you to like this game uh, You need to just okay, be done. over the moon Okay that's, that's Cocoon everybody Which is weird because Microsoft last year During E3 they're the ones that showed off Somerville which is another game From former Inside uh, Developers well, they,
1: they also revealed Inside too I guess so. If they're
0: just in the business that was, that of anything great. anybody from that team ever makes, uh, we need to show it off. Because I guess people still associate Limbo with Xbox 360 in some ways, right? You know, going back to the I mean, it was origins. an exclusive
1: on 360 for quite a long time. So, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: let's see. Uh, nobody had Diablo 4 on their
0: list? <laughs> okay. Uh, that, that, that seems fair. Um, yeah, it is a surprisingly long demo for Diablo 4. I was kind of bummed out by it because um, they started with like the cinematic trailer for the necromancer and the first reveal trailer the cinematic trailer for diablo 4 was incredible like the evil lady and she like that blood cape and it's just like crazy visuals and when this started i was like this can't be diablo because the cinematic doesn't look 10 out of 10 blizzard level but you know still looked great just not mind-meltingly great um but i don't know there's the pitch of like we're going darker and it's gonna be gorier and scarier and there's more of an open world. Do anything for you, Um, as somebody who loves Diablo? Not
2: particularly. I guess the reason that I love Diablo 3 so much was just the you know, the core loop of I wanna go out, I wanna kill a million things at a time and get a bunch of loot and do that ad nauseum. Right. Um and so having kind of like bespoke areas on a larger map, like I exploration in diablo games for me has always just been you run around looking for the place that has the biggest group of mobs that you can explode into more loot right i don't i don't know that i want to be finding you know like and and there's there's always been a lot of like random generation within areas too so that so that it does feel like you're exploring something different every time i don't know if if there's like set places on the map that you're like uncovering, you know, like like a more traditional open world game, that doesn't particularly do anything for me if that's the way that they're going. But, well, they're but a lot of the things that they were talking about, those kind of differences just weren't doing much for me.
0: Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by them saying, they said, fully realized open world and there's no linear path to follow. It's like, okay, that I'm curious what that means. And they're emphasizing too that it's a shared world game where there's going to be other players and kind of these events in the world map and they're emphasizing pvp so they're they're trying to to hit some new bullet points for the diablo formula which is nice i mean considering that diablo immortal just came out like i don't know if this is the right time or the wrong time to tease a new diablo but
2: (laughs) it feels like the super wrong time because even watching it like i know that it's it's a completely different model that that they're going with for like actual beloved diablo sequel <laughs> versus the mobile version right but all i could think about while i was watching it was you know the dozens and dozens of articles complaining about how you have to spend fifty thousand dollars to level up a full character and I all hate that those story. kind of things that i mean you know whatever yeah it's it's <sighs> I think that I I think that just made it the wrong time to come out with it. Like if if you release one that is a free to play kind of nightmare with all of those kind of traps and then you want people to get excited about the other one that's that at at like the best you can hope for is that it's completely different from the from the other one that you just put out so you know what's the message of like then just don't play the other one that everyone... Like, hey, play this one. This one is everything that you don't... That you didn't want from, you know, the previous one. or.
0: Well, I eh, feel like that, I that's what they're trying to do. Because remember, I mean, they got dinged so hard for coming out just with Diablo Immortal at BlizzCon and saying, hey, what's wrong with you? You don't have phones? Like, and everyone's saying, at least unveil at the same time as diablo 4 in a big way to give people that choice so i feel like that's kind of what they're doing now to make up for that by being it's all about diablo mortal but if you're not into that and you're annoyed by free to play stuff we also have a big juicy one that's coming out uh, within a year here so who knows um yeah okay. I, I i
2: guess i guess it would have helped if they had you know if they could have doubled down and said like we're not putting in microtransaction stuff don't worry yeah that's
0: interesting but yeah, uh, they promised. But
2: uh, and and right now, we I guess we don't really know how much of that stuff is going to be in it. Yeah,
0: know? yeah, they're emphasizing they're going to support the end game for years and years, and overall game for years and years. So yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, So that was basically the Xbox Bethesda Showcase. A lot of little details in there. I mean, they confirmed in an extended version that Valheim's going to be coming to Game Pass next year on Xbox, which is cool. Um, It's a launch exclusive over there. It's my favorite game of last year, if you recall. Um, And little stuff like, hey, Master Chief is going to be in Fall Guys. But I think it was a really impressive show overall. Even though, like, it really didn't focus too much on the biggies. I mean, no Halo Infinite update, which I thought was wild. Mm -hmm. I thought for sure we'd get, like, the next story content there, next expansion or whatever, however they're going to frame that. No Perfect Dark. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's still missing, but I still thought it was a great show from them.
1: Um, Uh, Yeah, I liked it.
0: Yeah. And then Capcom came on the stage and said, we're here too, my friends, and we have so much to show you. They got up on stage and they said, do you know Dragon's Dogma, everybody? (laughs) Are you aware that Dragon's Dogma has been around for 10 years? It's had a long storied history, Dragon's Dogma. With it's one game, <laughs> only history. one game right now. Please stay tuned now for a bonus Dragon's Dogma showcase happening on Thursday. So that's happening 5 p.m. on Thursday, and they gave no teases that it's about like the past, present, and future of Dragon's Dogma. So if they tease Dragon's Dogma fans with that part in the showcase, only to tease them then with a separate live stream and still not announce Dragon's Dogma two. I think we're taking to the streets, everybody. I think there's We're burning episode. the internet down at that point. That's right, that's right. Um, but instead, they focused a lot on Monster on Arise, uh, Sunbreak, and then also uh, Resident Evil Village. Um, Sarah, you watched that thing with me. What stood out to you about the big Capcom showcase?
3: I really was only super excited they announced the Resident Evil Village DLC. Yeah. Which they teased at the end of the game, and I was completely surprised that You know, they're kind of already getting us into it. And it seems like a different, it seems like a different type of game than Resident Evil Village. It's like a different take on what it would be like to, you know, return to like the castle, return to the village, I guess.
0: So the premise here. Um, I guess light spoilers for Resident Evil Village, but hopefully not. I think in this a big is way. heavy spoilers. Let's go with um, heavy spoilers for Resident Evil Village. <laughs> there's a
1: new character named Rose.
0: And a
3: we name. don't know where she came from. That's
0: right. We don't know like, she is. There's a 16 year old girl named Rose who talks a this lot about this. takes
3: place 16 years after.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but you're going back and exploring the village, but then it seems like it's kind of remixing those environments because you're entering the minds. It's a little bit, you're entering the consciousness of the yeah, fungus it's like, a,
1: it's like an abstergo situation almost right you're like mm-hmm. entering a memory kind
0: right of. which is a mm-hmm. cool angle just to get more creative and weird i guess for what they can do with these environments and characters in this thing
1: i mean my my big thing was like i finished village i really loved village and the stuff that happened at the end i was like okay well this is you know planting some seeds for nine we're not going to hear about any of this for a while that's cool that's a fun you know uh cliffhanger to leave us with so i when it when it came back and it was like oh actually no we're checking in much quicker i was really excited like i'm everything they announced i thought i was, I thought it was exciting like the dlc even playing it in third person i think is like a fun weird thing
0: yes yeah, so they announced resident evil village the gold edition and then there's the dlc and all that stuff and it's coming out yeah, october 28th but honestly i i want to finish this game now in third person because it made me nauseated and i had to pop drama me oh, every yeah. time i played this thing but it's like oh maybe third person would be all right I, I feel like it's on.
3: scarier in first person, but I would yeah. love to see Ethan get choke held by Lady D <laughs> in third person. <laughs> so Gotta like maybe nice. I'll have to play it again too, just for those angles.
0: Yeah. It sounds Gotta pretty those riveting. Angles. Mm-hmm. It is weird, isn't it? With Resident Evil that we're jumping ahead 16 years. It's like the Metal Gear Rising Revengeance of the Resident Evil franchise. Now where it's like, it's super far in the future and people are going to be clamoring I, from the well, touch on like, Are they going to
3: start? Is like Rose kind of going to be the new base character? Or is she just like a little fun, like, Side Resident Evil thing, and then they'll just toss her away and go back to the main characters. Like,
0: I think it's, I think that's gonna be. I hope, I hope she's like
3: in the main games to stay for a little bit.
0: She made some reference to Chris. I feel like in the dialogue for that trailer, and then you said,
3: so, "How is Crystal?" Wow,
0: well, look, it's, You're it's like confused. Chris is
1: still here. It's confused at all? Was he He's like immortal? <laughs> Sixteen years after thirty is like uh, not, that old, not that
0: old. And they also touched on Revers for the first time in a long time, uh, saying, "Hey, this multiplayer game sure? is still coming." Yeah. I guess.
1: It <laughs> <laughs>
3: and, like the name popped up, and they said October. Thumbs up.
0: Thumbs up. Please look forward to it. Um, and then the big thing is they showed the trailer again for the Resident Evil Four remake, which was all well and good. And then they showed like forty seconds of gameplay, which you know was more than I expected. Um, Kyle, anything stand out to you from? Their presentation on four here,
1: Um, not not. uh, I'm very excited for that game. I was it was one of the bigger surprises for me of the whole E3, whatever we want to call this thing. Was you know seeing it and confirming it. Uh, It was nice to see no gunplay, but we did Leon. Like he really he ducked under a vine like nobody's business. Like it was like wow he can really crouch. This is exciting. Um, It's interesting that his face is the Resident Evil Two remake face. I guess that should have been assumed, but it still kind of surprised me. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess he should look like he looked in Resident Evil Two. That makes a lot of sense."
0: Yeah, and they, they um, touched a little bit more on some details about like, "Oh, this is definitely a reimagining," and without specifics. They say it will have modern flourishes, and they yeah. emphasize that the Ganado and Resident Evil Four have been redesigned as well. Um, I'm right. a little confused about exactly what that means, but I guess we'll see. But um, Boondock Bandit here. Says, hey, Min Max Mob, um, what would Resident Evil 4 remake have to do to blow you away? It's a great question.
3: Apparently, all it took some people was being able to move and shoot at the same time. <laughs> it's a miracle. So, Sarah. like, I mean, the sky's the limit here.
0: <laughs> yep. Now it's an
1: action game, though. Now it's bad. That, this is the thing. I mean, I'm very excited I, for this I, game. I will but be blown I away. I mean, because it's, it's modern visuals. Like, it looks great. I, I'm excited to see that whole. You know, weird story reimagined with those kind of crazy visuals. Like, I hope it still gets kind of wacky.
0: <laughs> I hope it gets silly. Yeah, I, I hope they don't make it more grounded now. You know, I hope they still kind of lean into the sillier aspects of Resident Evil 4. I don't, as much as I love the base Resident Evil 4, I don't know if anything can blow me away about the remake. I think it's a weird way of looking at it. Maybe if the story is like genuinely compelling. And they remove kind of the campiness and somehow get me reinvested all over again. Maybe that'll be my takeaway. If I leave the game and be like, God, Krauser is like one of the best characters of the year. <laughs> like if there's something like that, you know, but I just, I don't, I don't or know. Um, but yeah, uh, it's next gen only coming out March 24th, 2023 for the Big Resident Evil 4 remake, which is pretty gosh darn close. Uh, hey, that's it for the big Capcom showcase, I guess, uh, some other they odds and ends.
1: Dino Crisis.
0: Yeah, Exo Primal, which please do not it's associate cool. with Dino Crisis. It's absolutely not Dino Crisis. I don't know why you'd think it's Dino Crisis. I that.
1: read some inter someone had an interview, maybe it was IGN, and they, was. And, the, and the way the quote read was almost like, why would you confuse this with Dino Crisis? <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't understand where you guys are getting this from. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Um,
0: <laughs> hey, real quick before we dive into your adventures, Sarah. Um, I Sony provided us a a code I don't know how, how are you they upgraded our account to check out PlayStation Plus Premium um, and so I was exploring that a little bit in a stream you can find the archive on our, on our YouTube channel but that is you know the top tier version of PlayStation Plus which is out now where it's 18 bucks a month or 120 bucks yearly um, I know they have that big list on their blog about like 700 games look at all these games it really wasn't until jumping in there that I realized like oh this is an overwhelming amount of games this is ridiculous um and it's cool to have not the playstation one stuff but to have so many being streamable just for like if you're cruising around it's nice not to have to pause and wait mm. for all these old games to download but just to be able to jump in and it takes a little while but you can stream these things and uh for uh techies out there so my internet pipe 700 down 300 up so solid fiber overall but i was playing like celeste on this thing and couldn't notice a huge input delay when streaming for that stuff. You can also download it, but just for, for streaming, I know people have been experiencing PlayStation now for so long, but
2: I wonder if something like Celeste, if it's, if it's just kind of temporarily downloading it and then playing it off of the hardware.
0: I don't think so. No, I think that was streaming. I mean, it was fast enough where I don't think it could be like the partial download thing. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's got a lot of a quirks. It's interesting. Like the PlayStation 3 section is kind of buried and that's really where you're overwhelmed by so many games that you have never heard of in your life. Like if you go alphabetical... All right, Kyle, are you ready for this? Just to give you yes. a, a taste of like some of these PS3 games that you can stream on your PS5 now with the PlayStation Plus Premium. Um, alphabetical... Air Conflicts, Secret Wars, Air Conflicts, Vietnam, Alien Rage, Alien Spidey, All Zombies Must Die, Alone in the Dark on PS3, starring Mark McDonald. Oh, that one I know. That That's one I know. Right. Uh, hey, Sarah, have you ever seen Alone in the Dark on PS3, the box art for that? You should no. Google Alone in the Dark PS3 because back in the day, Mark McDonald was convinced they modeled it on his face. Anyways, uh, Anarchy, <laughs> Rush Hour. A game called Anna, Anomaly, Warzone Earth, Aqua Panic, Arcana Hearts 3, Arcana Hearts 3, Love Ma, Armageddon Riders, R and a Surge, Ode to an Unburned Star. It is just a load of those games that you have never seen or heard of on the PlayStation 3, um, but there's good stuff scattered in there as well. What's your verdict, Sarah? Is that Mark from 8.4?
3: Honestly, if you flashed it in front of my face really fast, yeah. I would agree that it does look <laughs> a lot like him. Okay,
0: there But it on further everything.
3: inspection, I would say that it's not quite... You know, a
0: one-to-one. Okay. All right. Not exactly a mirror. Um, but they also have fun stuff, like, you know, they got Trash Panic on there for PS3, like some things where I haven't thought about for so long. Um, there's a lot of Lego games, a lot of Disney stuff. Kyle, they have Toy Story Mania on PS3, so if you want to check out that game that was ported from the Wii, if you recall that weird thing.
1: Is it like a party game? A party uh, yeah, game? it's like oh.
0: you shoot targets. Okay. It's really almost a zero, but okay. if you want to hear a lot of Tom Hanks' brother screaming into a mic, um, and there's, there's weird quirks too for like um, some of the stuff that you can stream on there as well. Like, hey, I wanted to check out Killzone Shadowfalls multiplayer to see what that would be like if there's a player base and jump in to stream that. But in order to sp- play the multiplayer, you needed to download the DLC maps and you can't do that if you're streaming it. So there's just like little quirks in a lot of these games. Some of it's a little bit janky. There's also a handful of PS1 games. It's weird to see trophies for IQ on the PlayStation 1. And you can rewind the PlayStation 1 games, which is kind of cool. Uh, I didn't
1: realize they had trophies. That's actually that's actually kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like Siphon Filter has trophies and stuff. Um, most importantly though, from all this, uh, we learned during that stream where I was checking out these games that... Um, Sarah, apparently somehow in defiance of everything that we should all hold dear, you've never played Tokyo Jungle?
3: No. No, once once I was around to realize of it's like to realize its existence. Right. It was lost to the test of time.
0: Wow. Okay, so this is a PlayStation 3 game. So, Sarah, if if you jump up... Look, I'm not trying to sell you on this stuff, but... I
3: I want to play Tokyo Jungle, but the issue was PlayStation was not offering me a way to play Tokyo Jungle, apparently, until now.
0: Until now. That's right. Until now. This PS3 game where you play as a bunch of little animals, including cute little dogs in post-apocalyptic Tokyo, it's available now. I really feel like that's a good Sarah streaming game. It is right up your alley. I'm sorry to tell you.
3: I I know. I would you think I want to be that little Pomeranian so bad? <laughs> I know. Well there you go. Um, in apocalyptic Tokyo. Uh
0: so yeah, PlayStation Plus Premium, I was I was impressed by it overall. You know, it seems like the type of thing where if you're looking for a a unique way to spend a weekend or maybe a month, upgrade for a month and see what you think, because jumping around to that many games is, is kind of novel on the PlayStation Five and having, you know, Mark of Cree in like your PlayStation 5 Damn. home slots kinda cool. Mark of Cree rules. So there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Except every game you um stream, it sends you a notification email. that like, thank you for purchasing Mark of Cree. Or it's like, "Eh, that's just a simple notification setting, but it annoyed me at the end of the day. Um, Sarah. Yes. Summer Game Fest, Sarah. Yes, my gosh. My gosh. All right, so you got on a big old jet plane eventually, Mm -hmm. uh, and you went all the way out to LA because this is a big event put on by Jeff Keighley, and then also Mm I Am 8-Bit, dear friends of the Mm show, um, where a bunch of people in the press went and played games in a room for a couple days? Walk us through it. What, what is it? It
3: was like if like you took like a West Elm catalog right. and then put a bunch of games in it. Okay. That is kind of what the event space looked like. It was an open room series of four TVs. They were calling it a pods and you could sit on these like little West Elm couches with the developer and kind of get a hands-on walkthrough. Of if you like most of the games that were featured in Summer Game Fest, a lot of the day of the dev games, but it was it was probably it was very Los Angeles.
0: Okay. You know, it was
3: it was very Los Angeles in the experience in which there's like food trucks, mm. at the end of the day they had an open bar, like they had like a patio that you could sit on and listen to a DJ while you were waiting for your appointments, like the meeting rooms. We're all also in, like, little West Elm outdoor catalogs. Cute. It was very... It was kind of... um, It's like how Summer Game Fest was the video game awards without the awards. Right. This was, like, the E3, but just, like... give it The E3 that people say that they want E3 for, which was mostly catching up with, uh, like, their fellow industry people. Yeah. Like, Jeff Keighley really said, like, okay, you guys want an event where you can play some games and basically reacquaint yourselves after maybe two years of not seeing each other. He was like, I'll do it for you. This is it. This was the event.
1: Did you get to meet? Yeah, I, our- I'm, I'm surprised to learn all this, Sarah, because from the outside, it seemed like all that was there was just Street Fighter and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Else.
3: that If you had looked online, it was literally just a Street Fighter event.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that seems to be, I think, the game of the show overall for this season. Like, everyone mm-hmm. was just gaga about Street Fighter. It's very say- much
3: like someone described it as like an old arcade. Where, like, you had appointments to play Street Fighter, but people were, like, hovering, like, flies, so that if somebody (laughs) tried to play it alone, they would, like, zip up and be like, hey, can I play with you? That's fine. Like, I know you had an appointment right now, but can I, like, hop on with you? Literally, like, jonesing to play more Street Fighter.
0: Lining up quarters. I do think that's, yeah. that's a beautiful way for Street Fighter Six to have more of an impact. But like, hey, remember the heydays of arcades and like that idea of now you're reunited with the people in the industry that you haven't seen for a couple mm-hmm. years and just to have that like local multiplayer vibe coinciding perfectly with this reunion. I think that's, that's a hell of a showing for Street Fighter VI. Mm-hmm. Um Did you play it?
3: I did. I did. I went up there um, and the PR guy was very nice. He was like, You know, gets you know. Just if you have any questions, ask this gentleman over here. Uh, And I turned around, I looked him dead in the eyes, and I said, "I have never played a Street Fighter game." And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and then he was locked in playing with me to kind of like walk me through it. And he looks at me, and he goes, "I'm actually the Monster Hunter PR guy." (laughs) (laughs) Um. So we were kind of we were evenly matched. I really enjoyed playing with him. We were very evenly matched. Like he was definitely. He had to play on, like, the fight stick, and I got the controller. Nice. So, evenly matched. But I was really impressed. One thing that I didn't know about Street Fighter VI was that this is the first game featuring, like, the modern control set.
0: Yeah, where are streamlining so, everything.
3: I didn't even realize that. And the modern control set definitely, it plays more like a Smash. Plays more like a modern fighting game. So much easier to pick up. Do you
0: remember, was, I, I know this is a, a tricky, weird question, but, like, so to do a Hadouken, you don't have to go down right. Now it's just, you can just hit what? Are you hitting L2 and then a direction or what? No is it clue.
3: Okay. I basically played Chun-Li the entire time.
0: Okay, gotcha. But to do special moves, it's just basically, here's the button, everybody. It turns out that's not the hard yeah, part about fighting it's like, it's
3: like the, a button with a combination of a shoulder button makes it a special move.
0: Right, right. So it's,
3: it's not like uh, you don't have to constantly press more than one button to like achieve something.
0: Yeah, I mean, did it work for you? Did it make it fun?
3: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was easier to pick up, and I felt like even after one match, I kind of had a general idea of, like, what did what versus when I used to play Street Fighter, and I would just be, like, smashing as many buttons as possible. Well, hold
1: on. You said just, you never played Street Fighter, Sarah. Lost well, I played I played once <laughs> in,
3: like, a. I got told that I needed to compete in, like, a college Street Fighter tournament because <laughs> nobody was signing up for it, and it was Fight Stick, mm. and I literally just went, like... <laughs> And I, like, and made it to the end. <laughs> and then I lost at the very end. Very disappointed. I
0: get it. That Ended happens.
3: my esports career.
0: Did you learn any more about that weird world tour mode? Because I think that was, like, maybe the most surprising no. moment of this entire season was that shot of, like, a character walking around in the world in Street Fighter no, 6 and punching boxes they did not reveal
3: that. They, it was basically two fighting stages. Yeah. Four characters to pick from. And then that's all they had there. But which that's was cool. Apparently a lot for most people.
0: That was yeah. enough. Yeah, apparently. I mean, mission accomplished. I mean, they made it more approachable. They turned some heads with new modes. Like, I feel like that's all they were hoping for for this big outing. The hardcore fans are saying it's pretty different from 5 and 4, but they can dig it. Maximilian Dude gave it a thumbs up over there, so I, I guess it seems good. Um, okay, the mm-hmm. the whole thing for this show... I think it's just a nice opportunity to be jealous of everybody in the industry. It was just a lot of you glad handing. You know, I'd watch the uh, Giant Bomb tour and see you come up to Tamor and Lucy and yeah. introduce yourself, and my heart melted. I thought it was so sweet. It was like, oh, I get to watch Sarah introduce herself and mention me. Yeah, e- essentially, to
3: you get to watch me kind of have like my day, my like J-pop idol debut onto the journalism side of the industry because I used to be on the marketing PR side. Right. So it's like now I'm like aggressively pivoting and like i also met king krista previously of the nintendo minute now of king krista yeah you know so it was a big like it it was like a big change for me being on like the media side going from the marketing side
0: what stood out what was it like
3: Everyone was so... When I would play somebody's games, because usually I was the person like helping people play the game. Right. But when I was playing the game, people were like, oh my God, like you're doing really well. like You're doing so good. And I was like, I think I might be really good at games. And they were like, Sarah, they have to tell you that. Because they want you to say good things about their games. And I was like, what? Yep.
0: Turns out that's how <laughs> it works. I was like, what
3: do you mean? I thought I was really doing a good job.
0: <laughs> no, sorry to let you down. No. <laughs> I mean, was it bizarre? Do you feel like you had extra insight into what they're doing just because you had been um, on the developer side of the fence?
3: I definitely felt a little more comfortable like talking to the developers and maybe more the marketing PR people than I did talking to other people in media. Oh, really? Mostly because like they were they were so busy. They were like, "Oh yeah, I got to write like, you know, five stories coming out of this." And I was like, "Oh. Okay." And then I would just like sit down and I talked to the person who did Dark Tide, who developed Dark Tide. Warhammer. I looked at him and I sat down next to him and I was just kind of waiting to play and I looked him dead in the eye and I was like, so can you explain Warhammer?
0: Oh no. Like I just, oh, no. And
3: he, the look on his face, he was like, um.
0: <laughs> how like much I time just, do you have?
3: Yeah, literally, how much time do you have to sit here
0: Okay. What was it like though? You're living the dream. You got to go there and meet people like Kit and Krista. Just tell us some good interactions. Like who's your favorite person, least favorite person. Oh, give us the dirt. Oh,
3: I met, I met Jeff Keely.
0: Shut up. Jeff really? He came
3: up. He came up. I was talking to somebody else and he came up and introduced himself. I don't know what no. I said. I blacked out. Did you say Min Max to Jeff Keely? I did. I said, I'm Sarah from Min Max. And then oh. he just kind of Looked at me and he asked me something at Summer Games Fest, and I was very complimentary. And he said, "I like your energy." So just write that <laughs> on my grave, write that on my gravestone. Jeff Kelly likes my energy. How
0: many phones was he looking at in his hands while he was saying that to you?
3: Well, I don't think he had a phone out at
1: the wow. time. Wow, wow! Like it felt,
3: it kind of felt like Bloody Mary. Like whenever you would say, like you'd say Jeff Kelly three times, and he would just like appear behind you.
0: <laughs> like, what are you saying? Like, like good
1: energy. Yeah. Good energy over here. <laughs> <All> right? Really
0: impression. That's <laughs> amazing. So was it more fun on a gameplay level or more fun on a social level, do you think?
3: Um, The games the are games really fun. I will say I played a, like most of the games there were a lot of fun to play. And I hope they get, you know, I hope they have great launches, but definitely it felt like more. He kept like, it's supposed to be an intimate event. Uh-huh. Like, so definitely it felt like people were, like, catching up with each other after, like, being apart for so long. And there were a lot of, like, post-Summer Game Fest social events that they were also holding and kind of encouraging people to go to, but...
0: Okay, did you go to the cool parties?
3: I I mean, I did. How was it? But it was weird because people were like, oh, man, like, they're really only letting, like you know, like, really important people in. And I was like, they let me in. So, oh, I don't know about that. Like, I was like, are you sure about that?
0: Don't tell that Min Max has just run from a basement. Um, <laughs> you're being too humble, of course. Uh, comma watching us live at the backstage past here, they just say Sarah met John Drake. Did you mean- I to- did! Really? And I didn't
3: know who he was when I was talking to him. What? I was like, we were just having a really good conversation- about Disney, about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden, I got like a Twitter follower the next day with like forty thousand followers, and it was like John T. <laughs> Drake, and I was like, oh. so "I I, have, I knew him from Twitter, but I was like, I didn't know that I, you know, I didn't know that I was speaking to a legend.
0: <laughs> speaking of legends, did you see that uh, interview from Kim Wallace over at Game Informer, uh, who's actually leaving Game Informer? Wild times. Um, but you see the interview she did with Nomura. Um, mm, where mm-hmm. he said that he was the reason. Well, he was kind of dragging his feet on Sora being included in Smash. Everybody assumed it was the Disney lawyers, but apparently Disney and probably John Drake was like, "Please put Sora in Smash." And then Nomura was the one that's like, "It doesn't fit the Kingdom Hearts lore." Like, can you imagine that?
3: Nomura really seems like he's his own. He's his own worst enemy, and he's his. He's Square Enix's worst enemy. <laughs> That's at the right. same time. Like, I'm going to say it. He's like, fans'
0: his worst enemy. Um, he's fashion's worst enemy. But we love him. Gotta love him, that old son of a gun. Um, so, social highlight was Keeley or John Drake?
3: Yeah, and then, you know, I also met the Giant Bomb people, which was great yeah. after yep. seeing them. Kit and Krista. I caught up with Jeff Cork showing a very cool game, Escape Academy. Oh, really? fun. Yeah, it was a really fun game. People really, like... That was kind of like the secret hit of the show Floor was Escape Academy.
0: So this is, yeah, I Am 8-Bit's game, and Cork was actually demoing it?
3: Yeah, he was working the the pod.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
3: Not a booth, it's a pod.
0: How much did you talk about um, Chibi-Robo?
3: He said that somebody came up to him and said that they liked the Chibi-Robo stream. Really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, Okay, so Escape Academy is just like a co-op game where it's just a virtual escape room? Is that the premise?
3: Yeah, essentially the premise is instead of like, it's like Hogwarts, but instead of learning magic, you're learning how to escape.
0: Oh, So the goal
3: is to, you're like a student learning how to escape these many escape rooms that get like progressively wilder and wilder. And then there is sort of like a story baked into it. You can play it single player or with two players. I recommend two players because it's just a lot easier to like figure stuff out within the time limit.
0: Yeah, Uh, that sounds great. I'll have to check that out. Um, The big one. I'm officially now asking you about it, so start the clock. Yes. Uh, Sonic Frontiers. Woo! You got to play, and you can talk about this? Is this embargoed? I, how yes, does this work? this
3: is, there's there's two embargoes. There was one for the overworld, and then there's another one later for things that I cannot talk about, because I'm, Sega, I signed an NDA, Sega knows what I look like. I'm afraid they're gonna come to my house at this point, honestly. uh uh-huh. But, definitely, playing it was, is. It plays a lot differently than what you expect watching the IGN showcase. Really? On it, yeah. It played, I played. This isn't saying a lot, but personally, I think it was the probably the better, the best Sonic three D game in terms of controls. It felt really good, and that's not saying a lot because three D Sonic games, okay. but it felt really good.
0: Because in that gameplay demo, every time Sonic was walking, it looked like the worst crap yes. in my, I've ever Sonic seen. Sonic walked
3: a lot. I realized that was a choice. Sonic actually doesn't walk that much in the overworld, so I don't know why they did that. Um, But I was, like, zipping all over the place as Sonic. It's a lot easier to get into the flow of, like, going from jump pad to onto the rails, off of the rails, to the zippy-zip all over the place. Uh, The battling felt a lot better than it looked.
0: Okay, so better than the gameplay demo would lead you to believe, but, I mean, where are you at overall for, like, quality you think this is going to be a good game
3: I I see two types of opinions coming out online yeah it's people comparing Sonic Frontiers to other games coming out in 2022 and then people comparing Sonic Frontiers to other Sonic games right okay neither is you know wrong and neither is correct okay but like that's the two opinions I'm in the camp of comparing it to other 3D Sonic games
0: so in that okay. it is
3: exactly it is going to be exactly what I expect.
0: This seems like the type of game. I think this is going to have like ten years from now a crazy fan base of defenders. It feels like a weird entry, and there's always fans of Sonic games, and that combined with this one being weird, I feel like this is. It's weird to call a Sonic game a cult classic, but I feel like it's being set up for that level of fandom. Yeah, they're forward. really
3: setting it up as like this is like Sonic's this is, like, the new Sonic, like, this is the new twist on Sonic. The new, we're, we're, like, thrusting Sonic into, like, a new generation of Sonic games. But I'm like, you say that with every right. Sonic game you release, is, like, this is the new generation of Sonic, and then you just wait for us to react. Yeah. It's, like it or not? So I feel like time will definitely tell with this one. It really doesn't feel like we haven't seen most of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, so they emphasized that all we've seen is the first island, um, yes. And that there are plenty of linear levels as well, apparently. It's like that whole grass environment. That's just the first island. And also, it's not an open world game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an
3: open zone game.
0: Who can forget? An open Please zone
3: Please remember game. it's open zone.
0: Right, right. Also, a little tidbit that, that popped out, I think it was in the Axias interview. Um, apparently, it's only a 60-person team for just framing your your expectations for what a team can pull off for tackling something that appears as big as it is like, okay, 60 person team. Also weird tidbit. um, The guy who's been working on Sonic since Sonic the Hedgehog three in that Axis interview, um, he says, quote, as you probably know in Japan, the Sonic games aren't as popular as they are here, like in the West and America and Europe. So a lot of people on the Sonic team, they're not these fans who played it and are like, yes, I'm on the team now. A lot of them know Sonic the character, but they didn't grow up playing the games. Weird. Isn't that I
3: feel weird? like I don't want to know that.
0: I know. I feel like it I really colors. I totally wish he
3: had never said that. It
0: colors my perception. Sonic colors my perception. I got you. Don't write in well, next actually, week. But how I didn't say Sonic colors my perception. It
3: explains it a totally lot. It totally does. It really explains a lot. Because were... once again, I did I cornered the head of PR. No Chow Garden. Ooh. I know. I cornered him. I tried to... Dig some information out. No Chow Garden. Okay. Which, if it had been made by a team of people who actually like Sonic, there would be a Chow Garden.
0: That could be. That could be. Um, so, Sarah, are you saying the magical words, cautiously optimistic about Sonic Frontiers? Is that what's happening here?
3: I mean, like, you have to understand that, like, I will ride the 3D Sonic train into hell <laughs> it's no matter there. what. It's
0: already there. You're but trying to ride it of, out. Uh,
3: I will ride this burning dumpster, like, to the grave. Compared to the last game, Sonic Forces, which I didn't like and I didn't play, I am actually looking forward to Sonic Frontiers.
0: Okay. All right. There it is. And um, they say it's coming out 2022 still. Um, again, for expectations, it's coming out on the Switch as well. I'm curious how that's going to run and what that's going to be like, but we'll see. Um, anything else from the show that really stood out to you? Huh?
3: Um... Oh, Metal Hellsinger, the 3D rhythm fighting game.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: That was a sleeper for me. I didn't even mean to play it. They sat me down, and, man, once you really get into it and, like, the lyrics of the song start to kick in, like, the better you do... They'll reward you with the actual lyrics versus just the rhythm.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
3: And once that like metal music like really kicks in and goes into high gear, you feel pretty. You feel pretty cool.
0: Yeah, this is the one that has like the singer from System of a Down contributing, mm-hmm. and it's like it looks like Doom 2016, but mm-hmm. if harmonics made it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, weird one. Metal Hellsinger. singer. That's cool. Um, I'm sure we can do some more mopping up and stuff uh, for next week if we forgot to cover anything for for games we played. Um, but first trip as a member of the press, Sarah conclusions
3: oh my god like people really just want to make the media happy i'm used to being (laughs) on the groveling side like finally (laughs) being groveled to like feels pretty good Feels pretty good man
0: really so you're into you're into the ass kissing from everybody in the pr world i've been
3: on i feel like i've been on both you know i've been on both ends of it so i can commiserate with like marketing and pr people and i I treat them like people um but yeah definitely like i didn't realize like they're like all the perks that come with it and they're like, do you want a key for this? Like, are you going to release content about this? Are you going to say nice things about this? And I'm like, um...
0: (laughs) Don't promise anything, Sarah. Don't promise those demons. They're like
3: breaking down my door. They're like, where's the content?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how it works. Did you uh, you get some cool swag?
3: I did. I got a big bag of swag, but like the Summer Game Fest socks, the exclusive socks. Did you guys see those? Yeah, they have socks (laughs) that are Summer Game Fest branded. I don't have them with me, but... The issue is that like they fit me, which means that they literally will not fit anybody else.
0: Mm. I do not
3: think that they will fit anybody unless you're a very small woman. (laughs) So interesting. interesting. There we go.
0: Future of games press. Um, All right. Hey, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Everybody, you can head to Patreon.com and find the tier that's right for you. Uh, We are basically fully funded from Patreon. We have YouTube and we have Twitch, but that is a sliver for our overall support. So if you want to help support independent games media, please go to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Your support can make a very direct difference. Thank you to new supporters like Dominic Guerrero, new $50 supporter over there, joining the game champion tiers. Thank you so much, Dominic. Uh, Also, it's a good time to join and support us in any way. Uh, Maybe if you've enjoyed our Summer Game Fest coverage in general, or if you're just feeling greedy and selfish because... This Sunday, June 19th at 2 p.m. Central, we have the next big episode, which is Trivia Tower, the Grand Round. Round. Round, round, round. 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 Thank you. Sarah, (laughs) you are on it. There it is, everybody. Uh, What this is, if you jump in and support us at the $2 tier, just a $2 tier on Patreon, especially if you're in Europe, because we're doing this at 2 p.m. Central for everybody in Europe. So this is your chance, everybody. Please jump in at the $2 tier on Patreon. Compete in video game trivia this Sunday through the Discord. And let us know if you have any questions about how that works. There's previous examples and episodes up on YouTube you can check out. But compete in video game trivia. If you're the last person standing, you win $1,000. Now, here's the twist. I don't know, hopefully this isn't a twist. That's 500 for you. I'll write you a frickin' check. Uh, and then it's 500 for a charity of your choice. And it can't be like, you know, you aren't a nonprofit, no matter how many times you say it. So it has to be a real charity. Uh, but please help support Independent Games Media and help support a charity of your choice. If you win, jump in at the $2 tier on Patreon and compete in Trivia Tower with the Grand Round. Uh, our co-host for this month is the one and only from Delayed Input, formerly of Easy Allies, Kyle Bossman will be joining us. And look, I'm a big fan of Kyle Bossman's work. I'm not trying to kiss his ass too much, but more than any other Trivia Tower guest, he is excited and he has just been pitching ideas for categories and Hail Marys. And he's had at least five suggestions where I'm like, I am kicking myself, I didn't think of that. It is so good, it is such a good idea. So there's gonna be a lot of very funny, uh, wacky rounds in there. So please jump in, support us on Patreon, and compete in Trivia Tower The Grand Round. We would love to see it. Thank you to our other supporters, including the creators of, Jeff, Get a load of this, uh, Ticket to Ride San Francisco, the new version of Ticket to Ride, which is releasing in Target stores on June 19th. You can get this new edition of Ticket to Ride. Jeff, I assume you like Ticket to Ride, yes? Of course. One of the greatest tabletop games of all time. There we go. It is fun. And genuinely, I was craving playing more Ticket to Ride because I was like, oh, it's one that I really like, but I always forget to go back to it. And so now we have Ticket to Ride San Francisco. Uh, It is a newly designed map covering San Francisco itself. Uh, there are tourist tokens now that you're collecting as well. It's easy to learn in about three minutes, they say, and this is a more portable version of Ticket to Ride as well, and it's appealing to beginners. So if you like Ticket to Ride, you want a new version, or if you've never played one of the greatest tabletop games of all time, you can check out Ticket to Ride San Francisco. Thank you for your support. Also, thank you to our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about Dust spiders Now, this is... This is tricky because this is genuinely one of my favorite tabletop games. But if I talk about it during this uh, promotional segment, it feels just completely hollow and gross. Jeff, have you played this game yet? <laughs> God, you monster! It is. I'll, pl- I'll, I'll play it. I'll play it by the time you ask me that next. Please do. Dustbiters, it's a two-player tabletop card game inspired by Mad Max, you can say. Uh, I really love it. I brought it on my honeymoon and played it in Alaska, as Sarah saw on that New Show Plus episode. Uh, So if you like two-player, simple tabletop experiences, please check out Dustbiters with the new second edition. And you can get it from iMateBit's online store. Everything in that store um, you can get for 10% off, everything under $100, for uh, 10% off by using the promo code this month, Junebug. Junebug, no space. Junebug, everybody. Check it out. And because I'm so generous, each and every week, they ship out a prize to whichever community member submitted the greatest question for us to go over and share on the show. Uh, And this week, whoever has the best question submitted over on Patreon is going to win Manifold Garden on Switch. Kyle, name another podcast that ships out a physical prize, like a Switch physical game, every single week to the community members who support us on Patreon. Name one, I dare you.
1: I can't. That's I my can't. point!
0: Uh, so thanks so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Uh, all right. Kyle? Yes? We're, we're going to let you go, but it doesn't mean we don't love
1: you. I'm going to interpret it that way anyway. Okay, great. Uh,
0: thanks for being here, dude. Good job hosting. Everyone loved it. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Anna Diaz herself?
4: Just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs>
0: <after cloud. laughs> oh Yay. Unbelievable. Welcome. It's Anna Diaz, everybody, a MinMax contributor! Welcome back, Anna. Hi. Um, I, I went and checked, and I could not believe the numbers that I was seeing, but apparently the last episode of the podcast you were on was January of 2021. Too long. It was too long, too yeah. Long. Jeff, um, his was child like wasn't even a ago. twinkle in his eye last time you were on here. That's amazing. But uh, you <laughs> came back to start doing MinMax stuff- a couple months ago was it two months ago a month and a half ago
4: yeah something like that yeah and i've been doing streams with sarah
0: mainly so. it's quote-unquote feral and unhinged mm-hmm. streams uh for yeah. steam secret stash over on twitch and then on our youtube channel yeah. as well but it's yeah. nice to have you back on the main podcast anna
4: no i'm excited i'm happy Oh, good to be here
0: nice uh how's your summer going how's the summer game fest coverage over at polygon for you
4: It's, you know, it's, like, kind of scattered because, you know, like, with E3, you, like, had an idea of what you were getting into and people planned appropriately. Right. But, like, this time, I would say it's just, like, it feels like there's, like, less news, but it feels just as chaotic because it's all coming in, like, these weird installments and, like, not the regular schedule, and, and you, so that's been a challenge.
0: Right, the schedule is weird, and also just trying to predict anything is weird. Like, all right, Capcom's having a showcase. Yeah, I don't sure. know if that's gonna be like Gearbox's showcase last year, or if that's going to be a complete unveiling of gameplay for Resident Evil 4. It's just so tough to plan any of this stuff, and it's just, I wanna get into the normal rotation of things, but they won't let us. Hey, we got a bunch of questions over on Patreon, though. Uh, Procyon on number six writes in and says, Hey, Ben and friends. Um, Anna, I'm so glad you're here for answering this question. We need your intelligence for this one. Um, how do you like your ladders? Are we talking button prompt to mount, just walk into it and animation starts, no animation or the arcane method of no ladders at all? This is killer. Anna. how do you like your ladders?
4: Okay, so it depends. If it's an open world game where I can climb any wall, then I'm fine with no, no prompt. But if it's not an open world game and I'm not sure if I can climb the ladder, then I appreciate a button prompt because I might not walk up it unless I get a button prompt.
0: Right. That's interesting. If you're not sure about the possibility space of the game. I think that's correct. I think that makes sense. Um, And like
4: pressing a button can be very satisfying. Like
0: go up the ladder. I really, the only thing I care about is absolutely having the option. I feel like games are pretty good about this, about going down those ladders. I need the quick slide down option.
2: The old slide, yeah.
0: The old slide. It's a must. Even like, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I was so delighted with that. You have the quick slide. I feel like more games than you expect are smart with that quick slide. It's very, very forgiving. I was
2: going to say I want the ability to jump onto the ladder. If I run and I jump and I throw my body at that Mm -hmm. ladder, I better Mm -hmm. start climbing.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. right. It'd be nice to have a little extra animation, if you like a team eco style where it's like you can grab onto the ring and you kind of wiggle a little bit before you actually latch on. I feel like there's a lot of animation possibilities here with ladders. Um, Yeah, I probably mentioned it before, but it was one of those weird tidbits from Visiting Arcane. They mentioned that ladders aren't allowed in their games. They have a rule, no ladders. And the idea is they don't want ladders because it naturally limits player actions if you're on a ladder. Like, you can't do all of your player abilities if you're on your ladder, and they mm-hmm. don't want to limit any players at any point, so therefore no ladders are allowed in their games.
3: So it's like purely a stair-based economy That's over right. there? Or That's like- right.
0: That's why there's no ladders. Ooh, here's the question, though. How do they get around this? Because there's a lighthouse in Redfall... You can't have a There's lighthouse. There's
3: probably whirly spiral stairs staircase. on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, spiral stairs.
0: Yeah, you're right. Really I didn't stairs. think about that very obvious thing. Okay. Uh, Dan Vallone writes in and says, A long time ago, I was playing Super Mario Brothers on the NES with my cousin. He said, we have three Marios left, which I hadn't heard before. I'd always said three lives left, and this has bothered me to this day. Recently, I saw the movie The Prestige, and I started thinking, is this the same Mario. Or is each new Mario just a clone? What happens when Mario dies? Is an extra life some kind of Mario resurrection? Great question, Dan. Thank you for writing in.
4: Sounds like a great concept for an indie game.
0: indie it's, game about Mario?
4: I don't know. It just seems like a clever thing. Like at the end, you reveal that every life
2: was independent. Just a giant
0: pile of bodies. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Related to like the Super Meat Boy thing where after you finish the level you get to see all of the versions of you that go through but I feel like the closest a big game has gotten to this theme And I don't know if this is just a fan theory but Bioshock Infinite Is, Jeff, do you think it's like canon in that game that every booker that you die with is a different booker? I think that's like softly canon in my mind I can't. So, remember. a head cannon. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I think it's beyond head I feel Obviously. like the community is, it is. like oh, okay. It's, okay. It implies it, but I don't know if it is explicitly like every booker is a different booker. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think there's infinite marios. There's like 128 of them at least based on that old well, tech demo. Well, yeah,
2: if if you jump on that shell that's on the stairs, then there's infinite marios.
0: Mm. So you're creating more Marios in the universe every time a shell <laughs> bounces back and forth a lot?
2: Yeah, maybe it's like you're storing up energy. It takes energy to create a new Mario.
0: Right. And so, yeah, and the greatest form of energy in the Mushroom Kingdom is shell I, I just like block. this question
2: because when you gave it to us, you yeah. said, it. all it said was what happens when Mario <laughs> dies? And yeah. I thought it was like this existential question of, <laughs> it's oh not- God, Mario is going to get old. Oh, well, mm-hmm. we don't know how
0: they're going to end that Illumination film, which, Sarah, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but...
3: Here we go! Here
0: we go! <laughs> what uh, could
3: it possibly be?
0: The death of Mario. <laughs> Luciano Comaceto wrote in and says, Welcome back, Ben. I've been playing an RPG on Game Pass called Dodgeball Academia. came out last year. Um, do you remember this one, Anna? Did you play this thing at all? No, oh, it seemed good. <laughs> it seemed good. Um, they say it's from a Brazilian developer and it has an awesome art style. One interesting feature is a "quote unquote" learning mode, where you can switch back and forth between any of the languages included, as well as turn on a secondary set of subtitles in a different language, letting you practice your Portuguese. Isn't that a cool idea? That's sick.
3: that is very. I, I feel that. like somebody, like a developer, was like just doing it to practice, and they were like, "We should just leave this in. Like, we should just make leave it in the game because it just seems so specific." Yeah. But I would love, especially, like, maybe more, like, Persona games to kind of give you that option. I think the screen could get really cluttered, so I think it depends on how much there is to say.
0: Right, right. But I think
3: like that would be a really cool way to experience some games with, like, subtitles for your subtitles.
0: I think so, too. Even just, like, you know, when I was trying to practice my Spanish, it was always helpful to just, oh, watch a movie and then put on Spanish subtitles. I feel like that's kind of the, the simpler version of the quote-unquote learning mode, but it's kind of cool. Like, do you think you learned a lot of Japanese just from... Watching media or reading subtitles or anything, Sarah?
3: Yeah, I mean, especially, like, Japanese TV was really useful. Like, watching all their reality shows for conversational Japanese... Yeah. ...was really great. Learning, like, random words that I otherwise wouldn't know. Um, There are, like, some games are better than other games... Obviously, for learning languages, like some games are a little too hard. Like, I tried Harvest Moon in Japanese, and it's like now you get to learn the Japanese word for every single vegetable, every single animal, and every single (laughs) garden equipment.
0: Right. Well, I I watched Dragon Ball, so I already know it.
3: This is a little too much for me.
0: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which, one of the secret stars of that uh, PlayStation Plus premium was there's this game called Harvest Moon Mad Dash. Yeah. You know it,
3: Sarah? Wasn't it like a multiplayer, like, party game type experience? Um, It's
0: in that arena. I don't think it had a multiplayer mode that I found, but it's like kind of a match three-ish yeah, it's like not. It's Moon? like they
3: took Harvest Moon and like applied it to a different IP. Yeah, well, they basically like they have a different have. game. Yeah, yeah, the
0: name is all over the place for Harvest Moon now, but like uh we're <laughs> trying to figure it out. It seems like no one reviewed this thing, but I enjoyed it so much and like building up your plots because you're like planting tomatoes, and then if you plant enough of them together, they combine into a bigger tomato, and then you get yeah. points based on how big it can be. But you gotta pick it in time. I ended up buying it on iOS because I'm all in on Harvest Moon Mad Dash now, so. Get ready for the 210s debate. It's going to be wild. Um, Trevor Corbin writes in and asks, Did you ever write to game developers as a child? When the 3DS was announced, I wrote an email to Rockstar to let them know it would be a perfect platform for a new 3D GTA game since it had a circle pad, which would work well for movement. And believe it or not, they did not take my advice. Those guys are pricks. Can you imagine not taking this kid's advice? Uh, did anybody else write in to a game developer?
3: Just segueing off the Harvest Moon thing. Ooh, yeah. When I was in, I want to say middle school, Harvest Moon A Wonderful Life had come out, which was the GameCube Harvest Moon game. Yeah, of course. And I, like, played through it completely, and then I was just, I, I was just really, like, confused as why you could only play as a boy. Because obviously other games were coming out that allowed you to pick between girls and boys. Right, right. So I wrote, I don't know who I emailed, but I, like, emailed, like, Natsume customer support. <laughs> My mom was, like, really supportive about it. Like, I really, like, I wrote out this email in, like, a Word doc to make sure, like, the grammar was correct. And then I emailed Natsume customer support, and I was like, would you please, like, consider putting, like, a female character in the game? Like, I would, I've been playing Harvest Moon for a really long time. I'm a big fan. I would really love to play as a girl. And then they released Harvest Moon Another Wonderful Life. Where the main character was a girl. They literally didn't change anything about the game except they swapped out the boy for a girl and they turned some of the boys in the village into the bachelors. Ooh. But these men were horrible. <laughs> they were like the lowest of the low because they weren't designed for you to date and marry. Right. So you had like the. F- I'm, you're going to have to bleat me, Ben, but they had the f- boy.
0: Uh huh. And then
3: they had emotionally unavailable man. Oh. And then they had. Man who disappears for certain seasons. Were your three options? <laughs> of marry. But I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited that I could finally play as a girl. Um, that I was just like, I was like, it's because I emailed them. Like this oh, has to be because. Like, and I know, growing up now, that they don't. They didn't read that email, maybe, and maybe. it was probably already in development. But I don't know. Boy, how, I thought I made a difference.
0: Let's just say you did. And I don't know yeah. how like the timeline works out for which one came first. But I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. I think it's like Harvest Moon 3 on the Game Boy Color was the first one where you can technically play as a girl. Um, But the insane thing is that you can get married in Harvest Moon, right? It's like, okay, you get Mm. married, then you have more years to build up your farm and do all this stuff. If you play as a woman in Harvest Moon on the Game Boy, if you get married, it just rolls credits, and that's that's the end of the game. It's like, well, mission accomplished for life.
3: In Harvest Moon Magical Melody, which also came out for the GameCube, if you play as a girl and you get married when you're like quote unquote pregnant, right. they actually lower your stamina faster than the oh male character. God. So like I couldn't do anything cause like I would walk outside uh. and like try to harvest my plants and I would just pass out because I was pregnant. Like I literally had to stop playing cause it was unplayable at that point. And I was like, why am I being punished?
0: I don't understand why there's not more girl gamers. This sounds great. Yeah,
3: th- I, this sounds like absolutely top tier gameplay. <laughs> Really um, gamify womanhood a little bit more,
0: please. <laughs> I, uh, I wrote in, um, I wrote an email to Naughty Dog. Um, this would have been like 96 or 97, like right after playing Crash Bandicoot 1 and loving it so much because I, oh, it would have been 97 because I also loved Final Fantasy 7. Um, and after playing those two games, I wrote an email to Naughty Dog and I said, hey, have you guys ever thought about making a Crash Bandicoot RPG? And I wasn't smart about games back then, but I remember referencing, like, Mario got an RPG, so I think Crash should have one, too. You should make a Mario RPG. And the amazing thing is I got an email back, and they said, like, hey, actually, um, we, we haven't considered that, and it's not likely, but um, we did make an RPG. We made Rings of Power on the Genesis, so if you're hungry for a Naughty Dog RPG, you can check that out. Which, speaking of wonderful women in games, that's the game where if you put a cheat code in on the title screen, uh, there's like a topless woman character on the screen that pops up. So it's gaming it's for it's everybody. Your- and Naughty Dog gave you that cheat code. <laughs> and they gave yeah, <laughs> That's email. Right. You know, they were like, yes. <laughs> P.S. Get nasty. Um, and the nice thing is then when I met uh, Jason Rubin, maybe it was in an interview at Game Informer, maybe it was in real life, I forget. Um, but I asked him about that idea and he's like, yep. He's like, that would have been me or Andy. Andy Gavin, the co-founder of Night Duck, he's like, we answered all of those emails back That's then. That's
3: so cool. Isn't that sweet? That's Not somebody funny. didn't respond to me.
0: Yeah, yet, Sarah. Uh, Jeff, you got one? You, you emailing? I did. I, I think I've shared this before, but
2: um, when I was a kid, I wrote to Rare uh, about Goldeneye because I, I told them, hey, you should, you should make a level editor that we Ooh. can use. And, and just like have them be separate rooms, like design a bunch of rooms. And just have it so that you can just put them all together, you know, in what order you want. So we would have our own maps to play. Yeah. And they wrote back. Someone wrote back. And they said, you know, thanks for the letter or whatever. But that unfortunately would be impossible because if the rooms were off even a little bit, it would break. It would like break the map and the game wouldn't work. And even as a kid, I thought that was total bullshit. That <laughs> is. Like,
3: that like, is. That's not
2: how computers work. You can make it accurate enough. Yeah, and then, like, you can then, make
3: it snap in.
2: Yeah, and then people from Rare like split off or whatever, and they went over and they made time splitters. That's right. And that is exactly what they did for time splitters. They you had the sue. editor in there. That's right. It was all my idea. And then you took out a quill
0: and you said, Lazy They
2: the were just throwing me off the scent.
0: Yeah, yeah. You were like, hey,
2: this kid's got a great idea, but we can't let him know, because he'll make millions on the royalties. <laughs> so just like give him a BS excuse. Sounds send him on his right. way.
0: That's right. Uh, Tanner Methven writes in and says, Hey, everybody, um, Anna. Please rank these breakfast staples from best to worst. We're talking eggs, bacon, toast, pancakes, waffles, grits, sausage, hash browns.
4: That's a lot. It's okay, a it's kind of like the pieces of breakfast. Yeah, I was gonna say they yeah. all provide something different.
0: What is this, Anna? When did you learn to answer answers <laughs> <laughs> with such a question? Such a cop out answer. That was sorry. The most my favorite response.
4: My favorite's bacon.
0: Number one is bacon. Yeah. So, like, if you had a plate that had everything on this, you'd go for bacon first?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, oof.
4: I mean, I don't go for bacon first because it's really salty. So what I'll do is do, like, a toast or potato and then bacon and then toast or potato or egg. Like, the bacon is, like, the flavoring of the whole plate.
0: Yeah, I I want to say, notice that Tanner's a coward and they didn't include French toast on here. Cause I feel like that's, mm. that's going to throw off some of these, but even then I want to say like French toaster waffles, number one. But if I go to a restaurant for breakfast, I, I like getting like the two eggs and bacon and toast and hash bacon browns, and you know? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Does that mean eggs are number one for a lot of people? They're number one for me. That's
3: a, that's a maker. Like that's too. what breakfast is for me.
0: Yeah. And how do you like them?
3: Eggs Benedict
0: oh <laughs> my so, god i'm, I'm so an egg benny
3: girl yeah
0: what are you royalty oh that's <laughs> so disgusting that's not what i was expecting <laughs> yeah
3: um, that's what i had for breakfast today
0: all right it's impressive uh, <laughs> you're making hollandaise yeah you make hollandaise at home <laughs> <laughs> no i just ordered it <laughs> That's, oh my god, what is your life? Wait, so you're getting like Uber Eats for hollandaise sauce? No,
3: I live like really close to like a diner, and I just pick up my eggs benedict in the morning. <laughs> Not every day! But I was feeling a little fancy today, okay? Alright,
0: all right, that's good. Um, grits. Where's grits ranking for I people? I don't like grits. I don't know if I have a sense of what that even is or what it tastes like.
3: You can imagine based off the word, I think.
0: Um. Okay, I'm looking at pictures. Uh, yeah. Uh, That seems fine. I'm I'm sure it's fine. Probably bottom middle is probably where we're going for this. Hash browns, good. Toast with some butter on it. At times when I eat that, I'm convinced I don't know if a better food exists on Earth. If you have a really good piece of toast with some nice melted butter, I think it's tough to beat. Uh, Sam Morrow writes in and says, Welcome back, Ben, and congrats on getting hitched. Thank you. Uh, Recently, I've been enjoying the benefits of services like Game Pass and the new PlayStation Plus. Imagine if your younger selves had access to these jobs. Oh, to <laughs> these jobs feels like a job keeping up with this game. Imagine base. if you could work
3: for Microsoft as a six-year-old.
0: <laughs> Imagine if your younger selves had access to these before jobs, driving licenses, and life's endless responsibilities. How do you think your video game playing would have changed if your 12-year-old versions had access to these endless buffets of games?
3: I did kind of have access to that because I had Gamefly.
0: Ooh. And a lot
3: of my top... JRPGs were, like, I don't know if someone was, like, working at Gamefly and they were just, like, pushing, like, Skies of Arcadia, Baton Kytos, like, to kids. Mm. Tales of Symphonia, Gamefly, Chibi-Robo, Gamefly, like, I don't know who was working the back end of that, but I really thank them for my
0: education. So, how were they pushing it?
3: It would... You could, like, browse the site, and it would browse for, like, games that you had previously tried. Okay. And then it would recommend it, but then it would also tell you how long you would have to wait to get the game. So a lot of the games kind of had a longer lead time, especially as they don't send it until you send your game back. Right. Which I think is why I ended up on these older GRPGs, because obviously, like, you know, most of America wasn't, like, breaking down the door to play Skies of Arcadia. But, like, I was like, okay, this is, like, I like, this looks good and I can get it. Like, no one else is getting it. So, like, I played a lot of games. Like, a lot of the games I played on the GameCube and the PS2 were uh, gameplay games.
0: Yeah, I wonder if, like, you know, I was thinking about this, too. I mean, maybe it's just kids naturally gravitate towards where is there just a mountain of games that I can dig through? You know, because, like, Mm -hmm. as a kid, I was obsessed with just before Flash even just finding downloadable free games that were just nothing but malware, and complete messes. And then I got an emulation and then it was like, hey, here's the Super Nintendo and NES and Genesis. Here you can download every game ever made. And so it already felt kind of like its own little game pass for the past, I guess. So maybe yeah. just everybody. We, we would become the gamer that we are today because of this because we already went through it in a way.
4: Well, and I think like a lot of kids these days have free games. It's just like free to play. Like right. they mm-hmm. have, you know, like... Fortnite and like so many, like honestly, like solid options that are, you know, free to play. So,
0: yeah, it's like you just have to train a kid to go for free to play games, but then teach your child not to want anything at any point. And I think that's going to be a hard lesson for kids to learn. Cause if you could just go in, you know, like us cool, natural, uh, sophisticated adults and play free to play games and just like scoff at the idea of loot boxes. But I don't think any child is capable of looking past a no. shiny shirt that you can put on your character, whatever the hell's going on there. Um, has your kid played games yet, Jeff? No, he's way too young for that. Really? Is he, like- he
2: he has a puzzle, like one of the puzzles where each piece is like an actual animal and you just have to get it into the slot for that one.
0: Yeah. He's pretty good. All right, that's pretty good. That was game of the year, I think, 93? Yeah, 1893. No! Uh, the Uncharted Wolf wrote in over on Patreon and said, "Hey, I went to go watch the Summer Games Fest in the IMAX screening. I'm very jealous oh my of God. this. Uh, oh, and, my I, and I have come he back. He was the one. He was right. the one
3: in the IMAX theater.
0: He put the I in IMAX. And I have come back with a couple of observations. Firstly, what were the games people in the theater were most excited for? In order of least excited to most hyped, it was Cuphead gameplay, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles." And then most of all, Goat Simulator 3 apparently got the biggest pop in theaters and IMAX. Uh, during, excuse me, well, during the Last of Us segment, I saw multiple people fall asleep. Mm-hmm. That seems impossible. What are you talking about? It was like a three-minute segment. I don't
3: segment. know how, how many people so were in comfy. theater. Yeah.
4: Like the AC's blowing down on you and you have your chair and your yeah. reclining back. But there's baths. like a giant and Jeff like Keighley, the- like larger
3: yeah. than life kaiju size that's in front true. of you like shouting at you about kaiju like, like, world release like and you put world you, premiere but then you Maybe they had just
0: passed out from terror oh <laughs> that's probably what it was um and then they say and only one person was audibly excited when the one piece game went on the screen and that was me congratulations <laughs> uncharted wolf you killed it Uh, writes in and says, Hey, Minmaxers, one of my favorite things to do is to go back to old reveal videos and see a Crown's live reaction. There's something about a group of people's shared excitement that brings me so much joy. I'm with you. Uh, why do you think people are drawn to watching reaction videos? It's a good question. I mean, they do surprisingly well in our YouTube channel, and I guess it's just like, well, might as well watch it with somebody else. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's, um, you like to know if you're out of the loop, I guess, because if someone's reacting in a big way to something that you're not familiar with, then it's kind of a reminder and it's like a second quick review of like, hey, you should pay more attention to this because this is more relevant than you think. I guess that's part of it.
2: Yeah, I, I guess if you're, if you're watching it live, it's just a way to watch it with other people as opposed to just watching it yourself. Even if mm-hmm. you can't you know, interact with them directly, you, you get some of that excitement. Yeah. Unless it's me just sipping my tea and people say I might as well be a GIF, but... No. yeah, Actually,
0: fun fact... I don't always have reactions to everything, single thing. You're on the internet and you need to have reactions. But fun <gasps> fact, you have I been tried. a GIF for three reaction videos. People have to find out which ones those are. It's kind of like our own little Easter Oh, you right? keep adding me? Yeah, yeah. Sweet.
3: You're just in your own little square sipping
0: your <laughs> <a> tea. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I don't know, I was thinking about this too, of like, why... Why am I, or let's generalize and say people in general, like sensitive to recommending things? Like, why is it, are people so eager to recommend things? And why is it so insulting if somebody doesn't like your recommendation? Like, is it just that you're just looking for evidence that you're not alone on this earth and somebody else has the same brain as you and therefore they like this thing? So your brain is ultimately okay is that what's it's going just on really deep. Yeah, wait really where deep. are we going where <laughs> did this come this from then, like, like, are you okay like, <laughs> no i'm not no i'm just thinking <laughs> about, like recommendations like why is it so why is it so easy to get a what does this have to do
4: with watching reactions your your response response is the same was, thing. no you're not
0: <laughs> okay i guess so i'm just thinking about this there's any overlap you're just trying to gauge like where you're at versus where the rest of society is at just to make sure you're not a maniac Right? That's what everyone's doing?
4: I don't know. I'm not going to lie. When I saw this question, I thought we were talking about like those BuzzFeed-style videos where it's like, teens react to getting (laughs) $20 or
0: something like that. How dare you? Uh, Charles Davis writes in and says, I have not been able to afford to support MinMax on Patreon for a long time, but I had to jump in and support you all again just so I could ask this question. Now, bear with me, but this is the question. (laughs) <laughs> Charles hey buddy it takes all kinds uh, Charles supporters of Patreon just to ask can you explain to me why Squirtle is a clever Pokemon name
4: because it's a turtle that squirts water it's like a squirt gun
0: it's Squirtle interesting he says wrong it's because it's part squirrel part turtle <gasps> this is this. that is... makes sense the curly tail I I had never... (laughs) Hang on. Really? (laughs) I don't think I had ever thought of it Sarah's has this face like she knew. Did you know? I feel like
3: I've I've heard it before, but I mean, like, maybe we can just appreciate that Squirtle works on multiple levels. Because it it loses its squirrel-like features as it... It's
0: like a triple
3: pun. Yeah, like, it loses its, you know, squirrel features as it evolves.
0: But it also loses the name Squirtle (laughs) as it evolves.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's like... So I don't think it's intentionally, like, it's not like... A squirrel turtle forever.
0: Yeah, I feel like, oof, I blew it. When I was at Game Freak, I should have specifically asked, is it supposed to be part squirrel? I don't know. Ooh, its name was changed from Zenegami to Squirtle. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, they seem convinced that apparently it is actually part squirrel, and that was the entire idea. So Mm -hmm. thank you for informing us. I don't think I'd really thought about that squirt angle until right now. I think it was, I always just thought squirrel and turtle. But that seems so obvious. You always
3: thought it was Squirrel and turtle? I
0: defaulted to Squirrel Squirt. it had nothing squirt.
3: to do with, like, like, water? Maybe
0: when, you know, in 1998, I thought it had something to do with water, but it was not in my mind right now that Squirt was because of water. So, okay.
3: Maybe I understand your earlier question, then. About, yeah, about getting like, yeah. out of the loop or, and everything. Yeah, yeah, you are insane.
0: Okay, that could be. Hey, Chris Logan writes in with a missed joke opportunity, says there's been a lot of talk on the podcast about the game Stray but not one person has mentioned that it's being published by Anna Perna. I don't know if you noticed this. Missed joke opportunities? Anna, a lot's changed since you've last been on the show. We now, half the podcast is just people writing in about the jokes that we should have said but didn't um nice <laughs> but it turns out that it's really just missed pun opportunities is what everyone's <laughs> really going for with these but hey we'll take them do you
2: do you think annapurna is cool enough to change their logo like when it comes up at the beginning I of i hope game?
0: i hope they do i hope they're not so uptight they feel like an uptight company though because it's tied in with the movie they thing do. and that's yeah. what i'm a little worried them, about like,
4: changing their twitter for like release day and changing their hand their like handle, not handled their like display name to like Anna Perna, na mm-hmm. We're just giving them free marketing advice. And we're yeah. doing
0: their job. Yeah, yeah. good job, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Duran write, writes in and says, Hey, also, uh, missed joke opportunity when Brian Vor was talking about the free pizza included with the physical copy of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game from IM8Bit. Uh, it's actually from, not IM8Bit, it's um, the other one. <laughs> Why am I forgetting the name? Let me do it, Thank you, yes. Brian literally said, I hope it pans out for them. As in pan pizza. Talking about the deal between i between pizza hut and them no one laughed all they needed to do was laugh it made me wonder if brian even knew the comedy gold he had stumbled upon i went back and checked the tape i think brian was loosely aware of the pan pun and i checked the tape and jeff I'm your eyebrows shot up to the top of your forehead so i saw you at least acknowledge that was funny okay there it was uh ricky winterborne writes in and says hey what side of the last of us remake debate are you on looks great wasn't necessary I wish they spent this time making something new. I think, thank God, Kelsey Lewin and Jeff, um, you both uh, echoed my thoughts exactly on the podcast about the most frustrating thing over all of Summer Game Fest was having Neil Druckmann come out on that stage and act like... uh, He was so uh, sad. Yeah, like a kicked puppy when Mm -hmm. he was announcing this game because it leaked on Twitter an hour before. I've never i never seen it.
3: He didn't even want to look Jeff Keighley in the eyes. I know. and I He get, just kind of looked down and shuff, shuffled his little feet a few times. I
0: cannot imagine how emotionally devastating that would be if you're planning for this surprise, but I mean, it had already leaked like a year before. Yeah.
3: It was like only the morning of, which right. I feel like there's still a bunch of people who have never heard of it. I would
0: argue a <sighs> strong majority of that audience was hearing about it for the first time and then when you're getting out of the gate with this tone of like yeah, I guess, well, here it is. You know, it wasn't exactly that bad, but it's like just feign some enthusiasm for the big reveal of your game. Like, you can't be that invested in Twitter to think that, like, well, it's game over because a handful of people on Twitter saw this already. It's just that bummed me out to such a big degree. And it happened, help me find it, everybody, on the internet. It happened, like, within the last five years. Another thing had leaked on Twitter and also was the most deflated announcement. Like, well, whatever, you already know, but here it is. And I don't know if it was a Naughty Dog thing, but it was some other big game reveal, and I just hate it. Um, but, uh, Ricky, yeah, I'm on the side of the debate of, yeah, I'd always prefer for Naughty Dog to make something new and the screenshots, it's interesting to see the comparison stuff. Like, I like the way the original Last of Us look in the remaster because those characters almost seem more like, I know it's not cool these days, but a little bit more cartoony, a little bit more abstract, you know, and I I like that angle, just the hand animated faces and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, It seems all right. It's not worth getting upset over in any way. But the thing that was interesting that I don't think many people brought up was just that idea of like, it's not like Naughty Dog was championing this remake from the get go. Because Jason Schreier from Bloomberg, he had a report about this. And then he was also on this podcast, if you recall, Jeff, um, last year talking about the origins of this project and how it was a service team within Sony called ASG. I think, and they were trying to pitch like, "Hey, we want to become like a real Sony studio. Let's start working on a project." And so they started working on back in 2018 on remaking The Last of Us, um, and they like collaborated with Naughty Dog a little bit for that as well, like in the early stages. Um, so they got the ball rolling, and then Last of Us Part Two was delayed, and they needed more help. So they brought that team in to help with Last of Us Part Two, and then at that point, it's like, "Well, Last of Us Part Two finished. We need something else for all these people to do. Let's go back to that Last of Us remake." So. At least, according to that reporting, it wasn't even started by Naughty Dog necessarily, which is interesting.
2: Yeah, but it, then they picked it's, it up. It's kind of facetious to say, you know, I, yeah, I would rather have Naughty Dog work on something new. I do too. But they needed something to work on while they were coming up with whatever that new thing is going to be. So right. I can I can understand if it if it keeps them from you know firing a bunch of people in like the off seasons when right, they're working on games, right. then. You know, go for it.
0: Yep. Joshua Duperoy says, what's your policy on correcting people when they mispronounce a word? Do you take into account how they pro- how bad they mispronounced it or if English is their second language? Does your familiarity with them matter? Is it better to let it go in the name of politeness? Um, Am I turning into Seinfeld you while I'm asking this? <laughs> uh, I think uh, mispronouncing words, it depends on if I'm friends with them. But if I'm friends with them, I might correct them not maybe to like the full champing at the bit uh level but yeah you know, uh, is it your name is it a name like name's all correct Ooh, names correct yeah i mean that's your entire life isn't it anna
4: <laughs> that wasn't a missed joke opportunity <laughs> oh, you got you. it thank you right it's a the greatest there.
0: compliment um, honestly um, how many times a week do you have to say it's anna
4: well, t- like, I've um, now just, like, have people in my life who will correct people for me yeah. because mm. I'm very shy a lot of times and don't want to correct people.
0: So you have, like, name bodyguards trailing Not, you at all times? I mean,
4: I think it's just friends.
0: <laughs> okay, that works. Yeah.
4: Um.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like um. I might correct somebody for mispronouncing a word, but... Something that I'm adamant about is I don't like people calling out if you misspeak, and I misspeak all the time, and I think I'm sensitive about it. But like, just do society a, pay- a favor. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> In my no head, go- I was thinking,
4: good thing you're a host I- of a podcast. <laughs> I know. No acknowledges. Just
0: if somebody misspeaks, just let it go. Just yeah. let it go. They yeah. noticed it. It's the most unbearable yeah. thing on planet Earth. You're not doing anything but being like, uh, what did you just say? My Blah. pet
3: peeve is when someone derails an entire conversation just to talk about how somebody used the wrong word or, like, pronounced the word wrong. Like, great. Now the conversation's gone. What? What? And what? You feel good about yourself? You feel better (laughs) now? You little smart? You little smart? Smart person? Cool.
0: (laughs) You little smart person. (laughs) Uh, Dennis the door slammer submits a question over on Patreon and they say, Hello, Big Max. Um, Hi. Um, Can a bad or mediocre game be redeemed by a great ending? For example, I personally found going through L.A. Noir to be a chore, but the final hours hit me in the feels. It made me appreciate the experience as a whole. What say you? Tricky.
2: I, I think it yeah, it depends. It, it's a question of degrees, I suppose. But I did um I I guess I enjoyed I was I was like the one person who enjoyed the original Watchdogs to begin with, because everyone hated it, and then Watchdogs right, came right. Watch Dogs 2 came out and everyone loved it all of a sudden, even though you were doing mostly the same things. But, oh, here we but go. St- I, I, agree, I agree that the story of Watch Dogs 1 sucked, but at the very end, they they did like this completely kind of meaningless choice. They, they gave you this big choice at the very end, like right before they cut to credits. And it was super effective. And I think it made me appreciate the entire story more than, than I would have otherwise.
0: Mm, that's good. And I, th- I think I look back more fondly on the game because of it. I think I think that's right. Like at first I was like, ah, the ending of a game, can it really impact my impression that much? But then I remembered, not that it's a bad game, but I do think the ending of Brothers Tale of Two Sons is so good that it makes you forget that the majority of that game is kind of mediocre environment puzzles. They're like Mm -hmm. Lego game level puzzles for four hours. And then this Haymaker and everybody remembers it as a great game because of that Haymaker. I feel like.
4: I generally think that they can't redeem a game. Yeah. But I'm also the kind of person, like if I feel like I will put down a game if I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. Bold of me. (laughs) And so I won't even make it to the ending, but I have played through games because people said the ending was great. Right. Like, I don't think I was going to stick with Kirby, but everyone's (laughs) like, you have to keep up with it. Yeah. So I
0: did. And it's worth it, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: absurd. That ending is so good. Yeah.
4: But that wasn't like a bad game either. Totally. That's why I'm like, okay, like, this is like a solid game. And like, this ending will help. Keep me here. Yeah. Yep.
0: I'm with mm-hmm.
3: you. Yeah. I think for like the average gamer, how they walk away from the game at the end, like their final takeaway experience probably matters more to how they feel about it. But when you're like reviewing a game or when you're forced to like consider it as a whole, I don't, I think it might help a little bit, but not as much, you know, because you still have to like consider everything you went through. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I think what's hard is when you have multiple endings I think the
4: worst worst thing that actually makes me hate a game is again when you make the wrong decision Mm -hmm. so to speak or you miss something and you get like the ending you didn't want that can really ruin an experience for me it's the worst feeling because you're like Mm -hmm. I put what sometimes some JRPGs you put in Like like 40 hours yeah yeah. But then you said the wrong thing on a bova tea date, and
0: now it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, enjoyment. Uh, Canadian uh, submits a question over on Patreon. They say, hey, I have a wedding slash video game story in honor of Ben. All right. We'll hear it. Um, my older brother had a Nintendo 64 that he let me play growing up. At an uncle's wedding, my brother said if I danced my heart out to a few songs, he would give me the Nintendo 64. So my nine-year-old self went ham on the dance floor for what felt like forever. <laughs> to this day, I still have that N64 and it still works. My bro is getting married later this year and I'll be sure to dance at his wedding too. That's very sweet. I love this story. Just this kid just needs to play Mario Party so he just cannot <laughs> stop dancing, just dripping with sweat like a mm-hmm. maniac. Uh Mark Ramirez writes in and says, Dear Ben of the Cohorts, congratulations to Ben on getting married. Thank you. Um now that you've experienced your own wedding, I, I did experience that. Um, what advice do you have for future wedding people? Jeff, what was your wedding like?
3: <laughs> I thought this was about you. Well, uh, your wedding
0: we'll get to it.
2: <laughs>
3: oh my god.
2: Uh, it was a very small and traditional wedding that uh, involved a lot of drinking, so I don't remember that much.
0: That's right. Interesting. It nice. So, it, would your recommendation be a lot of booze? Ah, uh, no. I mean,
2: it's tough. Everybody has very different feelings about what
0: they want out of a wedding, right? And so, there it is, everybody. I know. As definitive as possible um okay so <laughs> <laughs> just going through it uh just haven't gone through it it was it was amazing it was one of those things where there's like a lot of moving parts even though we had like a small wedding but it's still like a surprising amount of moving parts and it's like oh any one of these could be bad like there was a lot of um like lake flies around and i was like We're going to open the garage door where we're having the reception and all those lake flies are going to jump right into those potatoes and this is going to be disgusting and everyone's going to hate us. Everything worked out great. The weather was great. Everything was wonderful. Um, Here's my tips. Um, We didn't have a bridal party and I feel like that is a great way to go. You save money. You save stress. Just pick two people to give speeches or more. That's all you really want. But the idea of like making all these people buy matching clothes it's just i feel like all that stuff is unnecessary just you're you should be all about just eliminating potential points of stress for this entire wedding right um let's see another one is for the dance floor i had like my old speaker and we were like testing it in this space and so a couple times when testing it like the weekend before i cranked it up to max and it was like oh god her ears are bleeding all right stop that's good that's good and then day of I felt like it was too quiet, even on max. Like when you feel that with a lot of people. So my point is, if you have speakers, make sure they can go twice as loud as you think they should if you're just testing it out ahead of time. Um, But it was still a good time on that dance floor. I would have given an N64 to everybody based on the way they were dancing. Um, Here's a weird one. Um, I was so I'm very happy to. I'm very happy to cry. I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable enough crying, but I was so worried that I wouldn't be able to get through my vows without just bawling my eyes out. Cause like writing, I was just crying. And so I was so worried. I'm whispering cause my wife's upstairs and she'll be furious if she hears this. Um, no, but I was so worried that like, I'm going to be in such an emotional wreck. I'm not going to be able to get through these sentences during my vows. So like, even during like, you know, our run through session the day before and all that stuff, I was like focused on like, just Keep it together. Don't cry. Don't make like eye staring contact. staring into
3: the sun. Honestly, like,
0: like I, well, that maybe make me sneeze. It's confusing. So I was just focused on, like, picking a spot on the grass. I'm just going to focus on that. Like, don't let yourself to get too emotional. And then, like, I got choked up during the day of, but I didn't you can cry. Get that
3: spot of grass. <laughs> yeah, like, That's the spot of grass I'm going to look at when I read my mouth. But the point is, I
0: was so <laughs> focused on that. And then it was all over. I'm like, oh, I should have just let her rip. Like, the point is to soak in the mo- moment. I should have, like,
4: It's just like Beyblade. Like, let, just let like, her rip. It's
0: <laughs> like, yes, that's exactly it. And just like Beyblade, you know, it, it's a metaphor. I should have just, like, you know, made more eye contact with my parents during the ceremony and, like, looked out at all my friends more during the ceremony <laughs> and they stuff. were like,
3: what's he looking at? <laughs> Spot of grass.
0: <laughs> it really was. I was so focused. because like, It was funny because uh, we we're at, like, our lake place and there were neighbors next to us with some kids that were like jumping off the dock and swimming. So most of my wedding, I was just watching kids jump <laughs> off the dock, trying not to cry. And now it's like, oh, I should have just absolutely bawled my eyes out. Um, so that's, that's my advice. Feel free to be emotional. It's better for everybody if you do. Um, okay, last one, I promise. Um, Jeremy, otherwise known as Fuzzy Gruzzy, Uh, writes in and says hey Ben how's your trip to Alaska for your honeymoon Uh, yeah I went to Alaska for 10 days and it was uh, the best trip of my life it was amazing Um, but I'm not going to talk about it here because this week's episode of New Show Plus is all about it where uh, people voted for it so hopefully it's not too self indulgent and uh, insane but uh, yeah so Sarah and I um, for New Show Plus this week just went through all my photos from Alaska but I got to see a bunch of whales and bears and moose and it was a fun time so you can check out all those photos by checking out our YouTube channel um, and then if people vote for vacation photo slideshow again next week for New Show Plus, we'll have to come up with some other vacation to show a bunch of photos of. We don't know what it'll be. Um, all right. And Attack we corgi. we expensive vacation? Ooh, not a bad idea. Well, maybe stay tuned for the next Patreon goal, Jeff. Um, I think we might get something brewing in that department. Anyways, uh, an Attack Corgi says, Hey, what do you think the review score ceiling for the following games are? Do you think the series' best games are behind them? Their highest scores listed below via Metacritic. So do you think that this series can ever top this Metacritic score from the past, is the question. Can the Kirby series ever top an 85 for Canvas Curse? I don't think so.
4: Canvas Curse got an 85?
0: Apparently. Apparently.
4: Hell yeah. (laughs) Some of these are surprising. I was like a kid, so I wasn't paying attention to... Critic scores, but that's six. <laughs> Sorry, that made me so happy. That's like the best Kirby game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just imagine how happy you would have been as a kid if you just would have been whispered that number 85. Oh my God. <laughs> you would have had to stare at a patch of grass. <laughs> of
4: <mine>. I was <laughs> so emotional. It's like a pink ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, as much as I like Forgotten Land, I don't know if Kirby can ever top 85. I feel Is like this that's Kirby
3: in the Forgotten Land has an 85. Yeah. Oh, I interesting. So maybe that, they
0: did tie it twist interesting well can it ever top it I don't think so
3: I mean if they release Kirby Air Ride who knows
0: <laughs> yeah. who knows, knows what society would Air be ride? like that's right a better one no doubt Gears mm-hmm. of War Jeffum. can Gears of War ever top Gears of War 1's Metacritic of 94 no correct uh, Jeffum, Forza can they ever top 92 will the new Forza reboot which they announced instead of Forza 8 Will that top a ninety two? When when was when was the Forza that got ninety two? Uh so it was one, three, four, and five? They're all at ninety-two? That seems crazy. Wow. All right. Um God. Are we are, like counting,
2: are we are we counting are we counting the fun so ones? Oh, is that what
3: think
0: we're so. talking about? I think this is just mainline forza, because yes straight forth. Because I wonder what Metacritic is for five because it's... Oh, that's also a 92. I I don't think you can make a better game They're than are 5. Yeah, <laughs> it's confusing.
4: So the next one's going to get a 92.
0: I think it's locked in no matter yeah. how bad it yeah. is. It will get a 92. Yep. Um, let's see. Call of Duty. Will it ever top Modern Warfare's 92? 92 is <laughs> popular, by the way. I don't think so. No. I think it's going to be 80s until no. The Grave. Um, Battlefield, Battlefield 1's 92. Battlefield 1 got a 92. I, I'd be surprised. Um, no. Street Fighter. Can it ever top Street Fighter 4's 94?
3: Why are these all so high?
0: Because they're the highest rated in the series. And Street Fighter's good, I feel like Sarah. I
3: feel like, is it, does it feel like it's harder to get a, a high Metacritic score now than it was in the past? Or is it easier now? Like, that's kind of what I wanted. to I think
0: it's harder because you're averaging more outlets, mm, I'd have mm-hmm. to imagine. So, like, yeah, Legend of Zelda, it's not going to top Ocarina of Time's 99. Like, that's, that's a lock. Here's one that's interesting. Pokemon. What do you think the top-rated Pokemon game is on Metacritic?
4: Which, like, which title? Yeah. Yeah, can you
3: give us the title? Um...
0: I'll tell you, here's a hint. It is absolutely not one I would choose. It's one of my oh. least favorite.
4: Okay. Don't spoil it, I but I want to think a little longer. Okay, here's a
0: hint. I think it's the most janky mainline Pokemon game.
4: I'm ready to fight you, depending on what.
0: Okay, all is right. It heart, is
3: it like heart gold or soul silver? Interesting.
0: Right. Nope, those are the best. No.
3: I feel like those aren't janky. People, Mm -mm. Ruby and Sapphire? No.
0: They love the horns. They want more horns and water. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, Can I tell you? X and Y. Yes. Yeah, it's at an 88. Like, I like those games, but like, it is the first one on the 3DS, and they were trying to do like, I just remember, was it Lumio City? Where mm-hmm. they like brought the camera down. Was, That's like, just the one that has Esper mess. in it.
3: I feel validated.
0: Well, yeah, they say 88 and then in parentheses, because of Esper. Because of Esper. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought. Yeah, Pokemon, maybe it could top 88. That seems doable. It feels like they can, they can suppress Maybe that. they can do it. Yeah. If they stop making like five games every year. <laughs> right, right. Yes. And just like put it all into one. Yep. Smart. Uh, yep. Kevin Kennedy writes in and says, hey, everybody, uh, my personal BetterQuest goal is to run 40 miles this month. We're halfway through the month and have logged 23 miles right on track. Hell yeah, way to go, Kevin. Rich McLaughlin says, hey, everybody. Better quest alert. I completed my goal of running a full marathon last week. I don't have a question. I just wanted to share that. Rich, right here to give you a nice round of applause. Janet, uh, the queen of all marathons, is applauding from wherever she is right now. So congratulations. Um, Tanner Hoisington writes in, says, in the last few years, there have been a surge in board game design elements finding their way into video games. Slay the Spire and the like, dicey dungeons, deck building and back for blood, lost in random, popular adaptations like Wingspan, Citizen Sleeper, and Disco Elysium with their explicit dice skill checks. What the hell is going on in Neon White? Maybe that's tabletop game inspired. Do you think this prevalence of board game mechanics is for the better? Jeff, and this one's all yours, dude. Yes, I love it.
2: <laughs> I, I, I honestly love any, any kind, of, any time that you can pull in other mechanisms that give you interesting choices to make, which Mm. I I feel like so many games miss. Like they always get so focused on like, well, it's a platforming game, so you got to be able to jump and run around really good, or it's a shooting game. So we got to have a million guns like just give me interesting, weird, convoluted choices and ways to level up characters and things like that. Having having a deck of cards to like fight someone is such a stupid idea, but it just leads to a lot of interesting choices.
0: Yeah, there we go. Have you ever played um this game, Jeffum? Summit, the tabletop game? I haven't, no. It's a mountain like climbing a mountain? game. Yeah, it's really good. I, I talked about it on the podcast before because Trey Parker from South Park says this. Okay, game I was gonna I was gonna ask
2: if that was like his favorite,
0: yeah. favorite game. Uh we've played it a couple times. It's it's quite good, quite fun. You should get back into tabletop games, Jeffum. I should. Or you should just play Dust Spiders for the love of God. I should. There I we thought go. that's what you were going to ask when you started <laughs> no. asking me a few no, joke <laughs> opportunity. Uh, Ryan McGinnis writes in and says, howdy, Ben and the G unit. That's us. Uh, all my life, I've hated the top sheet. I get hot while sleeping and end up fighting it all night. When I wake up, it's a bunched up mess and at the foot of the bed. <laughs> what are you doing? Like kicking it down? So <laughs> I- well, like
3: what's, what's above the top sheet? The comforter. Nothing? No. uh, Like, uh, what's above it? Is it like a duvet? Is it a quilt? Is it a heavy duvet? Can they finish
0: their questions, sir? (laughs) Uh, So, I got rid of the top sheet, and I was finally free. Now I sleep with a big, comfy comforter that feels ten times better than some scrub wannabe sheet. My question is, are you a freak who uses a top sheet?
3: Uh, Calling (laughs) us
0: freaks, I think, might be. First
3: of all, (laughs) yeah. Most people use a top sheet.
0: Is the point of a top sheet... Tell me if I have a skewed perception of reality in society. Is this the point is the of shampoo a shampoo
3: to- thing all over again? It is
0: the shampoo thing. Mm-hmm. Is the point of it that it's easier to wash than a full comforter cuz it dries so much faster? Yes. So it's like a layer for your filth? Yes. That's the primary yes. goal of a top sheet?
4: Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. What what what's a top sheet for <laughs> in your mind? Leans, Anna? leans into the mic and whispers. I don't use my top sheet either. I sleep on top of it.
0: Wait a minute. So you have a top sheet but it's you're, is it I like fitted?
3: Do so you have a fitted sheet? I have
0: a fitted and then the And then top you have
3: the top. And then... and then you sleep on top of it.
0: Wait. Yeah. That is truly the freakiest answer <laughs> possible. It's just like one more thing to get all crumpled up and weird. Why would you yeah. do that?
4: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: (laughs) There's no defense. I I don't have a
0: defense. (laughs) Now, is it it like a situation where your partner is under the top sheet and you're on top as like a weird layer of separation?
3: Yeah, because I get warmer. So you essentially trap them under the top (laughs) sheet? I cannot. I could never. I could never sleep like that. But I get
4: like, I like, I run warm.
3: (laughs) I find it so hard to believe that a top sheet, which is like so thin, right, is the make or break in some of these situations. It's
0: not changing anybody's temperature.
3: Did you guys know that there's like different types of duvets and comforters you can buy for the seasons?
0: Yeah, which is what I learned
3: in Japan.
4: What if I just don't want two blankets and I want one blanket?
0: I kind of, I kind of get it. I'm not going to be a weirdo and sleep on top of the top sheet, but there have been plenty of times in my life. I where love how
4: Ben is like so worried about being <laughs> <the> deviating <laughs> no, no. from the norm,
0: and then right. he's I like, "Yes, gonna, like gonna, I'm I'm Anna gonna. is." A freak. <laughs> Shame her internet. I, 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 I feel like it, it, at times in my life I've gotten rid of that top sheet, and it is kind of nice. It's, it's like just simplifying <laughs> your life. I kind of get it. Well, but you,
3: my top sheet is, you know, like. Silkier and smoother than like whatever the top layer is. But it's
0: imagine silky, if you had like a silky, smooth comforter that was also like a heavy blanket, just like the best be, blanket possible.
3: I it don't
4: was know. kind of love, for the record.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Jeff, I assume you're just. Sleeping in a pile of shampoo or what, what are you doing? About? I use a
2: top sheet. I'm not getting on, on the wrong side of this conversation. Get out of okay, here. Okay, all right. Wrong side?
4: What do we moralize the use? Yeah,
2: just because I'm not judging hey, it anybody. it happened to me last time, Anna. It's uh-huh. not happening again. <laughs> Leave me out of this one.
0: <laughs> I'm not judging anybody unless they're Anna and they sleep on top of the top sheet. That's the only wrong answer in this situation. Fair. I'm sorry. Fair.
3: I will say recently, yeah. I did switch to... A silk pillowcase. Ooh. Life-changing.
0: Okay, so Life you're sleeping changing. on silk and eating Just the pillow fancy eggs every Benedict. morning. <laughs> Color oh me God.
4: interested. Where did it's, you... Is it, like, shiny silk? Because some silk is, like, not super shiny.
3: It's, like, the shiny silk, but it's it's always cool. Mm. It's always nice and cold against mm. my face. Mm. Mm. Right. And it doesn't... Like, mess up my hair too much. I noticed mm. my hair has been much smoother after sleeping with it.
0: So smooth.
3: That's That's yeah. a really good point, honestly. Yeah. Because I'll sleep with like a silk
4: cap on my hair mm-hmm. to keep it like protected.
3: Yeah. But like, that
4: just eliminates. Try the pillow
3: kit. Yeah. I thought that I was huh. like, I was like, oh, this is like too fancy for me. Yeah. But then I tried it and I was like, dang, this really works. Yeah. I think
4: yeah. we should ha- do a Twitch stream where we just review pillowcases what
3: if we pretended we were fancy for a day
0: <laughs> right right well this is i mean this is the beauty anna of the show that you helped create with leo i feel like was the new show plus format is now we can just put in bed reviews in new show plus and if people <laughs> vote if for we it then
3: camera to a
4: mattress store <laughs> so
3: Dang i it. think why are mattress stores one of like the worst experiences
0: I I don't like Like, you have them. to
3: lay in front of a salesperson and they just stare at you while you're like trying you're to like, decide yeah, if you're this is, or this not.
0: Is cool. <laughs> it's impossible because the only way you can review a mattress is if you sleep on it. Like mm-hmm. I can get a yeah. first impression of like, oh, this is soft or this is a rock. But other than that, like laying down on a mattress in a store, you're not gonna know anything. Unless and you when a good stranger staring
3: at you trying to sell it to you makes it worse,
0: makes it completely worse.
3: Um,
4: I know we're getting like really sidetracked, but do you? Do you guys prefer like softer firm mattresses? I feel like this reveals a lot about a person.
0: Yeah, um, I can do anything. I'm, I'm a very good, flexible person. <laughs> let's answer the question of then. Of course. <laughs> 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 um, let me just... Whatever everybody
2: else likes, <laughs> yeah. I also like. I'm gonna do
0: a quick Twitter poll. Um, what should I say in this situation? Um, I, let's go with um, 70% firm. Okay, is that allowed?
4: <laughs> what is that? Seventy <laughs> well, percent?
0: I don't know. How else would you answer that? You have to go all or
4: one or the other? Yeah, I think so. It's a I guess It's a false binary.
0: Yeah, I don't know. What's your answer then?
3: Firm, firm. I like soft.
0: Firm. Ooh. Oh. But I feel like I'm that's
3: a... not that's I mean, you should expect expected at this point.
0: Yeah. Very and bougie. it was all
3: firm. Yeah. And so I definitely it's, it's a mattress
2: up. of eggs benedict that
0: she's <laughs> <like>. <laughs> <laughs> gross speaking of gross let me know if this is this is like as bottom of the barrel gross um as I've gotten but we really needed a new mattress um a while ago and so I reached out to like a dozen mattress companies. Because every podcast I listen to, they just seem like they're giving mattresses <laughs> away. Dan Riker's like, I oh, think you've sent me so many mattresses. I don't know what to do with them. And so I was like, it seems like this is a thing. So I emailed all these mattress companies to be like, oh, I have a podcast. Uh, we, would you like to sponsor us on the podcast and I could try out your mattress? Radio silence. Just a huge mattress. I also want a new mattress. I know. If you're listening to this, and as far as I can tell, it feels like 30% of the companies in the world are mattress companies. So if you're listening to this, we would love to promote a mattress and sleep like kings and queens, please. So please reach out, hanson at minmax.com. Um, all right. What do y'all like for a question of the week? I, I think it's mattress.
3: <laughs> no, it wasn't even a mattress question. The, sheet,
0: the sheet. It was
3: the fitted sheet question. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked the. Right. Did you ever write into a game company when you were a child?
0: I like that too. I feel mm. like we've answered that before. You know what I liked? I liked the kid dancing his buns off for an N sixty four. Just that little story. That was a,
3: more of a story though than a yeah, question. What's wrong with it that It doesn't I'm need sorry, to, be it does sorry, to, wants, to be a question. It does not be And then Ben just wanted to talk about his wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here I
0: go. I never you're, shut up about segue. the wedding. <laughs> I mean it's I think it was a fun story. We don't need questions. And, but
3: the
4: sheets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Are we feeling sheets? <laughs> Are we feeling sheets everybody? <laughs> People are going to just stop writing in with game
3: questions and start writing us personality tests at this point. Believe
0: it or not, that happened a long time ago. We just don't include all of them. Uh, There we go. Ryan McGinnis, congratulations. iM8Bit will ship out a wonderful prize just for you. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, And now it's time for something that we, of course, like to call Get a Load of This.
4: I'm looking for my get a load of this right now. You're
0: welcome to keep digging. Try and find it. Okay. Um, don't worry, okay. Jeffum's a pro. He'll take it away.
2: Uh, get a load of this. This is a weird one. Um, it's a YouTube video from a YouTube channel called How to Cook That. Hmm. But it has nothing to do with cooking. The video is called Debunking Fake Videos and Who's Behind the 5-Minute Crafts YouTube channel.
0: 5-Minute Crafts? Um, and basically,
2: yeah. So there's this cook named Ann and She, she does a bunch of cooking shows, but then she started doing like people would send in, in, you know, like short recipe videos and stuff like these five minute craft type videos. And she started debunking them. And that's become this whole like side. And they're, they're super fascinating videos because she, she kind of goes through them. And this was, she had done so many based on this five minute crafts, YouTube channel that she kind of investigated with her husband, who was a former investigative journalist. And they they looked up all this information about who's behind the channel, which it turns out it's like these Russian oligarchs. And they put out just them. absurd amounts of videos, including some like anti-American propaganda stuff. But but they they kind of also talk about this economy of like the YouTube algorithm and how... People people get more views by putting out fake videos than they would actual actual videos, and like huh. the more outrageous that they get, the more views they get. And so it's a really interesting kind of deep dive on that whole weird economy.
0: Interesting. Cool. Uh, hey, uh, get a lot of this. Um, there is a YouTube video which is just rounding up a bunch of former retro developers. This is from Kiwi Talks is the name of the YouTube channel. But it's up a bunch of former uh, retro developers talking about working on Metroid Prime and Donkey Kong Country Returns. And it's just them telling stories of interacting with Miyamoto. Like when Miyamoto would come visit them in Texas or they'd go to Kyoto uh, for reviews. And uh, there's really interesting stuff in there. Like, you know, they showed them the first demo of Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii. And they were really proud of it because like, well, Donkey Kong feels great to run around. He's like a huge, powerful monkey. And then Miyamoto said, yeah, but I think what this game need, needs is he needs to be able to crouch down and blow on flowers. Do you remember you can do that in Donkey Kong Country Returns? It's the weirdest thing. And they were all like, absolutely not. What are you talking about? That's the dumbest idea. Why would Donkey Kong blow on flowers? And then ultimately put in the game and realize that, yeah, Miyamoto was right. Like they needed an ounce of whimsy that they didn't have in that game originally. But the part that killed me is um, this guy tells a story about the first big meeting for Donkey Kong Country Returns over there. Uh, they were meeting with Miyamoto, and it was all in Japanese. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to go make this game. This is going to be great. And they were heading out the door, and Miyamoto stopped them. And in English, Miyamoto said to the team, he said, please take care of Donkey Kong. He is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful Miyamoto talking about his old dear friend, Donkey Kong. Um, and I needed to look at a spot in the grass. Um, Sarah, what do you got?
3: Yeah I get a load of this uh, I saw that Netflix is now making A squid game reality TV show right. Which I definitely feel like Goes against the point Of squid games where they're actually making 400 <laughs> people compete For 4.56 million dollars mm-hmm. um, Am I gonna watch it? Yes absolutely Absolutely I will But I, I definitely feel like Maybe maybe This wasn't such a good idea <laughs>
0: Yeah, because a while ago they said like, "Oh, we got a bunch of new Squid Game content coming in the future." I don't think anybody thought that they would just take it literally and just
1: make them. No,
3: most- especially because I think <laughs> a month ago they had like major layoffs.
1: Yeah. And now
3: they're like, "Okay, everybody, fight over some money." <laughs>
0: it's it's a fun world we're living in. I
3: feel like maybe maybe there would be a world where this would be exciting, but I feel like now is maybe not the time. Sure for that yeah
0: uh, yeah just make another floor is lava season or whatever the hell that was called
3: they did oh. season two. Oh,
0: there we go um anna did you find one
4: yeah yeah um i probably didn't need to announce that i didn't have it <laughs> but here, here, we, here we are um <clears throat> excuse me um so today i spent a normal amount of time watching um these youtube videos they're um like Muppets they're like okay so it's like Muppets singing like metal songs so it's like a metal Muppets band right. and they have them like sharpied and like pierced and stuff and the song is called I Can Only Count to Four um <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's like really funny and really good because they're Muppets of course but then it's like metal
0: that's good that's good there's links below for all this stuff uh do you have one from the community from the discord channel there
2: Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, This one was from Demon Swordsman, and it's a YouTube video from Toasted Shoes, and it's entitled God of War, but it's the Simpsons. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's a mod that makes the most recent God of War into Homer Simpson and Bart Simpson. Uh, as they do everything that they did in god of war except it's all they're all voiced um they got like people who sound exactly oh like Homer god. in part and so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of jokes of you know Homer trying to chop down a tree very dramatically like Kratos did but yelling like why won't you go down and
0: also i mean he calls him boy at least in the early seasons he would call him boy so much mm-hmm. like, all right boy so hey that's Works. perfect uh good times hey that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for being here, Anna.
4: Thanks for having
0: me. This is Everybody else, thanks for being here, but this is Anna's big day, her big uh, homecoming oh, debut. My re-debut,
4: yeah.
0: That's right. Um, and if you say, my God, I miss Anna and her voice, I would like more Anna content, um, you can stay tuned and check out Steam's secret stash, which is Sarah playing a lot of random... Uh, horrific or bizarre games released on steam but there's a new episode coming up on tuesday what time on tuesday sarah
3: Seven thirty.
0: Seven thirty. so give us a follow on twitch and you can watch that live or check out the youtube uh archive on our youtube channel um yeah how would you describe those games that you two have explored so far would you say milky yeah very <laughs> milky <laughs> So the point is, yeah. It's, so we take all the games released on Steam throughout the last month and then just jump through them, and the chat kind of screams when they want everybody to move on. Um, and normally it's just the most surreal experience. So if you like a, us jumping through dreams and stuff, it kind of feels like that, but even more like, even more janky than the weirdest games in dreams is how I just. People are that.
3: terrifying. Like, yeah. When I go th- when I go through Steam Secret Stash, I have to like go to therapy after it because <laughs> right. it's like the games that I have scroll through just sheerly looking at like the bottom of the barrel of what's on steam. It really makes you take a look at society a little bit differently.
0: Right. I feel like. Yep. That's it. Uh, so follow us on Twitch. Get ready for the new episode. Um, also, if you support us on Patreon, you can unlock our weekly Patreon-exclusive podcast called Party Chat, where we talk to the community and give updates and tell behind-the-scenes stories, all that fun stuff. Uh, This week, um, you know, we talked about the big shakeups at Giant Bomb, kind of talked to the community about all that stuff. And also, Dan Tack, formerly of Game Informer, uh, he jumped on and he was on that podcast. So if you really miss Dan Tack, you can hear us podcasting together again on Party Chat this week. Um, And then speaking of Giant Bomb, we had an interview go up on Tuesday where it was me talking to Dan Reichert about leaving the wwe and returning to giant bomb and that entire saga launching with the new team all that fun stuff so if you're interested in that and the history and future of giant bomb you can check that interview out on our youtube channel or it's also available as a podcast in the five dollar feed if you're a supporter on patreon and again remind everybody that trivia tower the grand round Round, round, round. Okay, round. cool. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for getting my back there. Uh, that's happening this Sunday. This Sunday at 2 p.m. Central. So if you support us at any tier, you can jump in and compete to win $1,000. You just have to get lucky a couple times with how much gaming knowledge you have you in your have head. You have to get lucky. <laughs> well, it's a competition, but, you know, it's just like if you were nostalgic about this one game and it happens to pop up as an answer, it's a real Slumdog Millionaire thing. I'm like, oh, my God. I know that. And then you can make your way to the top. Uh, Thanks so much, everybody, for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you to everybody at the $50 tier, otherwise known as the Game Champion tier. We started doing this after you left, Anna. So instead of the thank you tier, now it's the Game Champion tier, where you can jump in, you can claim any game under the sun, and you're officially declared the Game Champion of that. Just so you know. That's cool. Hey, thanks. Um, Including Aaron Terrell is officially the Game Champion of Final Fantasy X. We all know the game, we love the game, but only Aaron can be the champion of it. And all these games that people are choosing, they're in the description for every piece of MinMax content, and then also we run a big competition after a couple months, and whichever game wins the poll at the end of the competition, we make content about, including like Persona 5 Royal did, and then Anna was on that uh, bonus episode with the winner. Uh, great job on that, Anna. That was fun. Thanks. Hey, you're that welcome. W- that, was fun. that was fun. I like me some Persona. There it is. Uh, also, Otsego 12. Ooh, I'm sorry, Sarah. You might want to cover your headphones for this. Otsiko oh, uh, 12 no. is officially the champion of The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. The one and only. The first to claim it. And I do feel like that's a contender for winning the next vote. I hope so. Who don't like that game? Uh, the, Logan Krauss is officially the game champion of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. The Sith Lords from our dear friends at Obsidian talked about earlier in this episode. So congratulations, Logan Krauss, champion of the Sith Lords. This is a theme now. Clement Zobel. Chose Star Wars The Old Republic, the MMO. So they're officially the champion of all of Star Wars The Old Republic. Seth, otherwise known as uh, Mr. Pretty Good Gaming, Pretty Good Printing (laughs) himself, uh, they chose to champion Star Wars Galaxies. So the two Star Wars MMOs coincidentally just lining up here. So it's going to be a fierce competition for that. But congratulations for being the champion of Star Wars Galaxies, the old MMO. All right, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much. Sorry it was a long one, but there's a lot to cover. Next week, we're going to be talking more about indie games and games we've been playing, all that stuff. Um, Anna, thank you so much for being here. Um, Is there anything you would like to plug?
4: This is my Twitter, at Pocachi.
0: There it is. Sweet. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Be good, have fun, let's go.